Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, this has been busier than most mornings. <laughs> We've had a lot of stuff. I've had a lot of stuff going on. Uh, just an amazing amount of communications, trying to arrange things, different shows. Uh, I got a friend that said, I can call in now. <laughs> no, you can't. We've got uh, too many things to plan uh, uh, and arrange before, before that happens. But I got some interesting uh, things in the works. And as I always do, I mean, it's just, you know, like I say, most of the work is done uh, away from the microphone, the the. the, the a lot of stuff that you just don't see until we actually get a chance to get it here. Um, today's going to be cool because we have uh, Jerome Bell coming back. Now, Jerome is one of my favorite folks. He, uh, 27-year Navy chief. Uh, he, uh, um, he ran for Congress uh, as, I think, one of two people. And I talked about this a little bit yesterday. One of two people that actually ran on our legislation. And so our citizen bills. And so it was fabulous to have him on uh, several times. And so he'll be back today. We also, the other person who ran on our citizen legislation was uh, Calvin Wimdish. Uh, I think Calvin was an Army colonel and Jerome was a Navy chief. And between the two of them, they have, I think, over 25 years each uh, of service. So they're both. And, and what's interesting is the only two people that ran on our legislation are two black, conservative, uh, long-serving veterans uh, who ran for, you know, running for Congress on our legislation. And so they both incorporated our bills right into their campaign, which is really incredible. And I wish more folks would do that. But, it, it, you know, it proves that everything we talk about here uh, works. And I'm still um, just really uh, sort of uh, uh, amused and disgusted at the same time of all the people that, well, you, know, you haven't got any bills passed yet. Why should I support you? Well, okay, fine. <laughs> you know, I'm sure the Wright brothers had that too. Well, until you build an airplane, you know, we don't care. <laughs> you know, what is the, I mean, what, are you, what are you bothering us for? What, what do you, what do you, you want support? You want, you want to raise some money for it? You, you know, GoFundMe, uh, Wright brothers? Yeah, forget it. You know, stick to bicycles. Uh, that's kind of what we're running into here is that uh, they say nothing succeeds like success. And uh, that's true. That is true. Once we are successful, we're going to be amazingly successful. But we've got to cross that threshold. We need a lot, enough people that believe in the future and that they can actually make a difference uh, so that we can make a difference. I mean, it really comes down to that. It's just that simple. So if folks don't share the shows and don't share the bills, then uh, nobody knows about us because I can't promote as much as I like on social media because we're so badly censored. Now, a very interesting thing happened over the last few days. Um, it pretty, well, a, a few of us at Action Radio had something, some kind of a hack. Uh, I, my website, writeyourlaws.com was down, uh, from two nights ago. It's back now, which is really great. So it came back last night. Uh, so that's the good news. So I got to go do, I uh, got to call up my host folks and, uh, you know, put more security and find out what happened and make sure that it doesn't happen again. But somebody doesn't like us. <laughs> I wonder who that would be. FBI, KGB, CIA, DOJ, KGB, KGB, <laughs> those folks. Uh, and you guys are welcome to call. Why don't you just call me up like everybody else does, 215-383-3832, or post on live chat. Now, I couldn't get live chat going this morning. Uh, it, it got going about a minute before the show, <laughs> you know, which is just kind of wild. Um, but uh, Bill Fecky reported on the show yesterday that uh, someone had tried to change his Facebook password. Wendy had a phone texting issue. Somebody was texting on her number. Um, Bonnie, uh, who's our new reporter, uh, who does the, the Bond report, uh, Jane Bond, <laughs> yeah. uh, on Wednesdays, um, we were trying to send MP3s back and forth, and they wouldn't go. They couldn't be open. 
So a bunch of us have had all these electronic hacks in the last little while. It's been quite fascinating and disgusting, you know, that, uh, that that's going on. But the, uh, the best uh, prevention of all these kind of things is uh, public awareness. So the more people know about Action Radio, the better off we're going to be so we don't have this situation again. So that's what we're facing. Uh, I also made a, I got a new theme for CJ, which is kind of cool. So we'll be playing that a little bit later. And uh, it's, just been, it's just been a busy, busy time around here. Uh, listening to the hearings yesterday. I'm going to multitask and see if I can find Jerome's number so that when he calls, I'll have it up there uh, ready for I have everybody's number. You know, I'm pretty good about keeping records um, for the show. So I just got to find it. I know it's going to be in here somewhere. So anyway, so the hearing yesterday, the best part about the hearing were the opening statements. If you heard the opening statements, you pretty much heard all you needed to know, because from that point, um, the two things happened. The Republicans, you know, asked questions that we already knew the answers to, and the Democrats said it was Trump's fault. <laughs> That's basically it. You know, you can't prosecute uh, Brandon because he won the election. You have to go against President Trump because he's a fraud and shouldn't be there. When the truth is that Trump won the election and Brandon's the fraud who shouldn't be there. And so uh, the Democrats have it all reversed. You know, Democrats love the um, the FBI, the CIA, the IRS, they love all these organizations now, which is really funny because, you know, they went too crazy about them a few years ago, right? So what changed? <laughs> well, what changed was uh, they're in power. So the Democrats love the IRS when they're in power because they get to turn on everybody else. But, uh, you know, they're not crazy about these, you know, organizations. Remember Question Authority? Uh, I still live by that <laughs> in case anybody hasn't noticed. So Question Authority was a bumper sticker. I have to get another one. I had one in my car for years and years, uh, but that was the big 60s thing. Question authority, okay? Well, now the, now the Democrats are the authorities. So the former hippies are now in charge, and they're getting older, and the, you know, they're moving on. I don't know who's going to take their place, but uh, there's a lot of young, young Democrats. And it really is fascinating to watch that uh, the, the Democrats of color um, always talk about color, always. And uh, throughout the entire hearing, uh, if you had a, a, a white Democrat, they attacked Trump. Uh, saying it was ridiculous, unfair, double standard, you know, it's, it's crazy. Um, the, the black, Hispanic, and Asian Democrats, the Democrats of color, uh, Democrats of color, excuse me, I'll put the right you know, emphasis here, um, talked about the two-tier justice system as, uh, you know, white people and everybody else. So that was the real double standard, is, uh, is, is white people and everybody else, which, of course, is absurd, because you look how Donald Trump's treated, and you look how uh, Joe Biden's treated, that's the difference. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny, but Democrats are... are uh, you know, Democrats of color, I, I think I should make that a category. Democrats of color uh, are people that relate everything to color. And uh, white people are completely bad. It doesn't matter. And so that's the problem. But what was interesting was, you know, most of the people asking uh, you know, the good questions, the, the really uh, penetrating questions that actually wanted to get to the bottom of this were old white guys. <laughs> you know, so this, I, I hate to clue you in, folks, but you guys are going to be in tough shape with old, old white guys. It's just it's going to be a really brutal situation out there. I mean, who do you think, uh, you know, are the responsible ones in the Trump administration? Old white guys. You know, who uh, are, the, are the best people in Congress? Old white guys. You know, conservative, not, not, uh, not the leftist wackos like Steny Hoyer and some of the other folks. But um, that's just the reality. So if you, if you think the country is going to be run well by Democrats of color, uh, they would be the worst Marxists of all. I mean, gulags wouldn't be very far behind. Uh, education would become indoctrination. Take a look at any of our cities uh, where things are absolutely horrible. You know, Democrats of color. <laughs> you know, so that's going to be my new category. Democrats of color. Hey, Marco. Marco's in the Netherlands. So uh, I'm not sure why Marco exactly, exactly joined us, but we've had some uh, horrendous, like I say, amazing things happen uh, with being hacked and everything else. But, you know, write your losses back. So now I have to call them up and find out how to uh, make sure that write your loss stays there. Because without that, we really don't have a show. 
you know, and that's, of course, the, 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 uh, the powers that be already know that. It's not like I'm giving away any secrets. All right, so let's get on to our main topic. And then we're going to be talking about this with um, Jerome Bell when he comes on, because he has some of the same suspicions too, that Vivek Ramaswamy, who I am calling Obama Swamy. <laughs> so if you want to know where that comes from, he's Obama Swamy. So Obama Swamy, which I think is funny, which is why I say it. You know, he's a young guy. He's, he's got the appropriate amount of color, but not too much. Um, <laughs> he's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's got all kinds of money, but it doesn't look like he, uh, you know, was one of those capitalist pigs. I mean, he, as far as I know, his family didn't own slaves. So, he, you know, he matches all the criteria. He's Hindu which is interesting. And he doesn't have an Indian accent. Now, this I find fascinating too, right? So you get, you, his parents are Indian, so they would have taught him um, Hindi, which is the language of, of, of India, um, Urdu, Pakistan, Hindi, uh, India, and various other things. But, uh, but you will notice that if anybody from India, they'll let them do an accent like this, you know, Dinesh D'Souza, you know, it's just a wonderful time. So let's see if I can get my Indian accent going, sorry, you know, and I hope if I haven't offended anybody, but maybe I have offended somebody, but that's okay because that's what we do here. Anyway, I love accents. This is why I do it because it amuses me. But Swami has no Indian accent, none. His parents are Indian. Okay. Now, uh, which is interesting. You look at a lot of uh, maybe even second and third generation Hispanics. They're still, first of all, they speak Spanish because that's what they're taught by the parents, which is great, you know. But uh, secondly, there's, there's always that, that truth of an accent. Now, you listen to Josie, there's no, no, no mistaking. You know, her first, first language was, was Spanish. No mistaking whatsoever, uh, because she actually was from Nicaragua. But uh, a lot of Hispanic, you listen, uh, I know, like, you listen to Border Patrol guys, who are all Spanish-speaking. In fact, diversity um, is so bad, they've, I guess they got the first white guy running the Border Patrol, which is kind of stupid. <laughs> got the southern border, right? That's crazy. You know, you want somebody that, uh, you know, most of the people crossing the border illegally, illegally speak Spanish. So why would you have a native Spanish speaker or at least somebody who, you know, or an American, well, actually American born, uh, Spanish, you know, Spanish speaker. That would, that only makes sense, right? Uh, but uh, they've got some white guy. I don't even know if, he, I hope he speaks Spanish, but we'll see. Anyway, point being that, uh, that you look at the categories, you look at the way this comes about. He actually looks more like a Democrat to me, which is why I got initially suspicious. So Ramaswamy. You know, Obama Swami uh, comes out of nowhere. He's got a whole bunch of money, uh, which is kind of suspicious itself that he comes out with that much money and then he comes out of nowhere. Uh, he's very young. Uh, and like I say, he just reminded me of Obama. And, and so I started looking around. And I found an article, which I haven't been able to locate. I think I've misplaced it. I'm going to pull up my articles here. But so there was one on, uh, by J.D. Rucker. And that's the one I'm having trouble finding. Let me see. Did I get it? Uh... That one, that one, that one. Where's my, where's my, um, see if I can find my J.D. Rucker article. I wonder if I put it under the Trump 2024. I've got all these different categories of, of, of things here. It gets pretty, pretty busy in my files. I'm, I'll see if I can find it. Because um, I had it, I had it earlier. Let me just do one quick search as we're talking here. So J.D. Rucker, who does the American First Report. And let's go Vivek. Ramaswamy, S-W-A-M-I, and then Obama. Let's put that all in the same search engine. But there should be an article. That's the Hill, New Republic, and PR. New York Times, New York Times. All these things I don't care about. Where's J.D. Rucker? I guess they don't like Substack. <laughs> they don't like Substack at all, which is kind of funny. All right, so, uh, oh. all right, so let's get the Substack report. I don't like to put too many things into my um, my, cert, my my thing here because then the, the signal gets distorted. Uh, I just got to find this one article because it was really good. 
He's got something on adrenochrome, which is something a lot of folks that are, are talking all about. Jesse talks a lot about it. Uh, I never was quite believing of that one either. Just, uh, all right, so I'll just, if I can't find it in the next quick time, I'm just going to uh, – I'll tell you what, let me play my, my ID for the show. Uh, 712, let's write down a couple of notes here. This will give me a chance to, to uh, do something productive, and you'll listen to something uh, much more productive. So 720. Uh, 72023 is the date. It is 712 here in the morning, central time. And let me just play something else, see if I can find this article. I got four other articles. Not like I don't have articles. It's just been, uh, as we say, a little busy uh, around here this morning. Be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215 383 3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Okay, I can't find it, <laughs> so I'm not going to worry about it. Let me uh, tell you some of the other things that we do have, though. So we'll, we'll uh, it's, it's probably on my Facebook thing somewhere. Um, someone did send me something here, Paul and Daisy Soros, <laughs> Fellowships for New Americans. And this is bad enough. So what, what I found about Swami was I was, like I said, I was looking around and I thought, I wonder if this guy's, you know, a leftist plan. I wonder if he's, the, the, you know, like I said, the next Obama, you know, comes in as a moderate you know, talking about um, just uh, hope and change, but is really about converting us over to a Marxist dictatorship, um, which he's trying to do now, you know, behind the scenes, you know, pulling the strings of, of Brandon, who has no clue what's going on. Uh, I bet you if you ask, you know, Brandon what year it was, he'd probably say 1983, and life is great. <laughs> you know, that's probably the last year he remembers. But anyway, but the point is that um, these people are, you know, and, and again, the question we've been asking before is, who pulls Obama, Obama strings? I mean, who, who runs him? And so who's like ultimately way, way up at the top there? There was an interesting film um, back in maybe the 70s or maybe early 80s called The President's Analyst. And if you haven't seen it, it is a classic political satire. James Coburn plays the, the psychologist to the president. Now, you never actually see the president. Uh, and I, I'm not going to, you know, there's not much I can give away about it because it's such an old film if you haven't seen it. Um, but um, it's interesting. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. I'm not going to tell you the exact you know, stuff because you should see it. But it's really fascinating. 
CIA is involved. You know, there's a lot of spies involved, Russian spies, American spies, and all these folks are trying to get James Coburn because he's the president's analyst and, and, and he, he knows everything the president knows. <laughs> so, of course, everybody wants to you know, get him and interrogate him, you know, all these different spy agencies from around the world. This is hysterical. But uh, who's actually running the country? And this is kind of funny. Um, again, spoiler alert. Um, so, so turn off your radio for the next 30 seconds if you don't want to hear who's running the world. Uh, okay, now that you're still here, the phone company. Uh, it turns out the phone, this is back when AT&T, Ma Bell, you know, the, the American phone company, American Telephone and Telegraph, uh, basically was running the world. And I, and I won't tell you who played the, the leader, but uh, it's, like, it's like we're the phone company. We, everybody has one of ours. You know, we run everything. So it was really funny because everybody had a phone and they're all wired into some central, you know, whatever computer thing like that. But uh, the phone company ran the president. <laughs> it was really funny. In fact, the phone company ran every government. And they were ultimately behind everything. And so what we need to find is who the modern-day equivalent of the phone company is. But it was a fabulous film. And so that's something definitely uh, you want to see. Anyway, so Swami, Swami comes out of nowhere with 630-some-odd million dollars at the age of 37, which is in itself improbable. You know, uh, it's interesting that he's got a biotech company and an investment company. And that seems to me all the... Uh, um, the big millionaire, strange people like the, the Finks of uh, BlackRock and some of the other folks. Now, they all seem to get their start uh, in, bio, in, in uh, big pharma, right? Um, and then they go from there in, into investments. You know, a, a lot of the folks, Solyndra, uh, uh, I think, had a problem with that. Um, what was it? What was that um, energy company? Uh, Emron? Enron, Enron, there we go. So Enron, which is looking at them too. But a lot of these great scandals and things, you know, they, they, they're off as either environmental or biotech or some kind of government contractor. So what I want to find out is, does this guy have a bunch of government contracts? And what is it, what's the real agenda? So I got, like I said, I got Jerome Bell, who ran for Congress, uh, served in the Navy for, for a bunch of years, and he'll be joining me at the top of the hour, and we're going to see if we can, because he has his own theories on this, which is kind of funny. So let me, so uh, the fact that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy in 2011, founder and CEO of Royvant, R-O-I-V-A-N-T Services, oh, Sciences, excuse me, um, has a fellowship from the Paul and Daisy Soros Foundation. Now, why would somebody like that be running on the Republican ticket unless they were a complete and total plant? I mean, Soros hates Republicans, hates freedom, hates America. This George Soros hates everything about us. And Paul apparently is his older brother. <laughs> so he married Daisy. <laughs> I can think of it as a cow. Oh, hey, Daisy, come here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Daisy. You're probably a very nice person. But uh, you married Paul, so I, you know, I, I can't really speak to your judgment. Anyway, so Paul and Daisy Soros have a ridiculously well-endowed foundation of probably billions. Uh, but anyway, so they give money out. So apparently they gave money to Vivek Ramaswamy in 2011, fellowship awarded to support work towards a JD, that's a law degree, a Juris Doctor, for those that don't speak Latin, uh, in, excuse me, in law at Yale University. Well, first of all, he's a dude of color, so he probably got a scholarship. Why would you have to give a uh, – that's my first question. I'm going to put down Swami questions. You know, in fact, I'll, this would be great for, for Jerome Bell, who's black. You know, so I ask, hey, hey dude, what's, what's going on with this, right? So Swami, you know, why did you get a fellowship, you know, to Yale when I'm sure he was there on a full scholarship? Yeah, that's the first question. So, so now I'm already, I've already got questions, all right? So, and if he's a CEO of a company, why does he, uh, that has, you know, all kinds of dollars, why can't, he, why can't the company pay for his law school? And there's something really wrong here. It's just, it, 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 everything about him, you know, the sincere smile, the whole bit. He, he looks like Punch. Do you guys remember Punch from uh, Chips? 
there was the white guy and, and, and the Hispanic guy. Right? So they, they were appropriately diverse. So the white guy who was kind of like boring and straight and regular, just kind of, I mean, straight, not in the, not in the sense of, of hetero versus homosexuality, straight in terms of he's just a regular guy, you know, just did guy stuff. Um, and then, of course, you had Ponch, who was the, 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 the Latin lover type, you know, the, the, the ladies and the, you know, with, the, with the, the cute little smile and the whole bit. And women are swooning and guys, we're just laughing. <laughs> I say, Folks, it's like, ladies, he's an actor. <laughs> it's not that big a deal. But uh, you know how it goes, right? I mean, we, we guys swoon over our, our favorite hot babes in the movies, too. So fair is fair. Anyway, the point being that uh, he reminds me of Poncharelli <laughs> from Chips. So I got, I got to put that down. So Ponch from Chips, uh, C-H-I-P-S. At least I'm going to talk to, uh, um, to Jerome about. Okay, next thing. It says Vivek Ramaswamy. Let me brighten up the screen a bit. Is the founder and CEO of Royvent Services. Vivek was born in Cincinnati to Indian parents. But he doesn't have an Indian accent. He doesn't sound Hindi at all. I wonder where he comes from. Anyway, in high school, he was a class valedictorian. Okay. Oh, he was class valedictorian. It means he was the smartest guy in the school. A nationally ranked junior tennis player. Hmm, very good. Huh. Hey, tennis, anyone? And an accomplished pianist. Well, wow. So he's, 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 he's well-rounded. He plays music, he plays tennis, and he starts companies in his spare time. Vivek graduated from Harvard College in 2007, summa cum laude, and Phi Beta Kappa, uh, with a major in biology. Later, he entered Yale Law School. So here's a guy that goes to Harvard and Yale, you know, as a minority. So the question is, did he get affirmative action, uh, grant scholarships, and was he, bred, you know, let in? Now, granted, he was valedictorian. I'm not taking the valedictorian away from him. You know, that, that's actually kind of cool. Uh, but, uh, you know, he goes to Harvard and Yale, which are the top institutions in our country. So how, what, uh, what got Vivek in? Was it affirmative action, or did he earn it? You know, if he's valedictorian, you know, a piano player and a tennis player, he probably earned it. But, uh, you know me, I've always got questions. Maybe there was somebody um, that uh, was a better tennis player, you know, instead of being a ranked junior tennis player. Uh, so, well, someone's nationally ranked higher. <laughs> I don't know how these things go, right? All right, so he graduated college, Harvard College in 2007, uh, with a major in biology. Later, went to Yale. Later he entered Yale Law School. So, so here's the question. Uh, most people, if I understand how this works. They go from they go to law school right after college. This guy goes out and starts a major company. I mean, you know, with, with his with his undergraduate biology degree, and all of a sudden he starts a huge, you know, pharmaceutical company. That's that's suspicious too. It's like Moderna. You want to look up a bizarre company? I don't have all the facts right now, but you want to you want to look up a company that was created out of nothing, you know, to create uh, messenger RNA vaccines that they don't even own, or uh, there's like some something really bizarre about Moderna. So look at Moderna sometime. You want to talk about a, a government created company? I think it was probably a Fauci product. Anyway, uh, this says, well, this is, my website is uh, the Paul and Daisy Soros Fellowship. So I'm actually reading directly from, you know, the leftist Marxist foundation page. I'm not, uh, and this is what they're telling us. This is, it's right here on their, on, their, on, their, uh, on their website. While at Harvard, a presses of the senior thesis on the ethical questions raised by creating human-animal chimeras, 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 I don't even know what sure that is, was published in the Boston Globe and the New York Times. Oh, published in the Boston Globe and the New York Times. Completely Matt Buckley voice. Yeah, she was chairman of the Harvard Political Union. Oh, so, okay. Well, uh, uh-oh. Red flag. <laughs> Give me communist red flag. Chairman of the Harvard Political Union. So here's a guy that's an undergrad at Harvard. All right. Valedictorian of his class. And all of a sudden, he's in the political union. So you don't think he's been groomed in, in the, the traditional political sense. You don't think he's been groomed, you know, from an early age to, to, to run for president? 
Here's your first evidence. Harvard Political. Excuse me. Harvard Political. I'm going to write that down too for uh, Har- Harvard. Harvard Political Union. Do you run it? It says chairman. Hmm. So here he is, chairman, union chair. So this guy's been involved in politics since his undergrad days. Now, undergrad days, I started college at 17. So this guy being valedictorian, you might have started at 17 or, or you know, early 18 also. So this guy's been involved in politics since he was a, as a teenager. I find that interesting. That is, and served as one of, I just move my stuff over here a little bit. Oh, i And served as one of three undergraduates chosen for an advisory board for the selection of the current president of Harvard. Oh, isn't that interesting? He is moving up to the big table. Served as one of three undergraduates chosen for an advisory board for the selection of the current president of Harvard. So, so he, he gets to pick the president of Harvard? Wow. <laughs> During his senior year, Vivek co-founded studentbusiness.com, a technology startup company which connected entrepreneurs with professional resources via the internet, and he led the company to its acquisition in 2009. So wait a minute. Dun, 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 dun. So, so during his senior year, so here he is, a senior at Harvard with a full academic load. He is chairman of the political union, a tennis player, and he has time to co-found studentbusiness.com, a, techn- a technology startup company? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know who else was behind it, right? Which connected entrepreneurs with professional resources. In other words, was that a headhunter company? Uh, and le- the, he led the company to its acquisition. Okay, so in other words, he set it up and somebody bought it from him. Well, that made him a whole bunch of money. But I want to know who else is involved. And said, we'll, we'll look that up. Uh, smartstudentbusiness.com. Listen, in fact, let me look it up right now. Studentbusiness.com. And all those folks are saying, gee, Greg, why didn't you look it up before the show? Uh, you have no idea the amount of work that goes in. I'm not complaining. Uh, but I'm just saying there's a lot of things that I actually don't think about until I'm actually on the air going through it. Student biz and ESS dot. Having with my left hand only, you try it. Studentbusiness.com. Ramaswamy's company. Let's see what it says. Let's see if it's even a site. Uh, nothing's coming up. Oh, oh, no, wait a minute. We're loading. We're loading something. We have liftoff. <laughs> we are getting engaged. Can't connect to the server. Isn't that interesting? Studentbusiness.com ain't there anymore. Okay, let me see if I can connect to something else just, just to make sure my, my, my thing is working. Yep, it's working fine. <laughs> I just connected another website. So studentbusiness.com is no longer in existence. Isn't that interesting? Uh, After Harvard College, Vivek worked for three years in life sciences investing in New York before pursuing his law degree. So this is the part that I find the strangest, is the work in companies before law school. Why? Why, if you were a successful business person, would you go to law school? <laughs> you know, and why? Why would you do that? If you're already successful, you got your Harvard degree, you've got an undergrad degree in biology, which is a good basis for a life sciences company, one would assume. Why would you need to go to law school if you're already successful? And why would you? And if you were successful, why didn't you pay for it yourself? Why did, why did you need a fellowship from uh, Paul and Daisy uh, Soros? 
just curious, just asking the questions. Okay, what else? Awards, Forbes 30 under honoree, work history, Royvent Sciences founder and CEO. Oh, we got more articles here. Paul and Daisy Soros. Uh, so he meet, meet the 30 biotech leaders under 40 who are searching for breakthrough treatments and shaping the future of medicine. Well, I get that. Pursuing the potential of abandoned pharmaceuticals. What, like hydroxychloroquine? <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that one later. All right, so I got more articles. Let's kind of work our way through this stuff and see what we've got. So the interesting one was the one I read the other day. Vivek Ramaswamy paid to get Soros connection erased from Wikipedia page. Oops. So, so we all know he, in fact, but the his erased from the Paul and Daisy Soros Foundation page because I just read it. <laughs> so it's obviously not gone from there. So this was the Huff probably the Huffington Post, the Huff Post, David Moy, M-O-Y-E, uh, May 3rd, 2023, so not that long ago, who says Republican presidential candidate Vivek Ramaswamy, otherwise known here as Obamaswamy, reportedly paid to have his Wikipedia page scrubbed. He paid. This, this was a conscious effort on his part. He went out and paid money to have things taken off his Wikipedia page. Now, that isn't suspicious. I don't know what it is. Uh, potentially damaging details about his past. And it says Mediate, M-E-D-I-A-I-T-E, Mediate, is reporting that the page now includes a warning that the article has, quote, multiple issues, quote, contains paid contributions, quote, may require cleanup to comply with Wikipedia's content policies, particularly neutral point of view. Well, there's nothing neutral about Wikipedia, but I don't expect that. What it says is the Wikipedia article's version history shows that in February, an editor identified by Mediate, as Jay Hofferman removed lines about Ramaswamy receiving a Paul and Davy Soros Fellowship for New Americans in 2011, even though I just read that to you. So it's there uh, from their own website. Then it says, since Soros is the older brother of billionaire George Soros, who funds many progressive causes, in other words, district attorneys that let murderers go, <laughs> it's un- back to the article, it's understandable Ramaswamy wouldn't want pl- potential voters to be aware of that connection. I'm surprised Tucker didn't ask about that. So, Tucker Carlson, in all your journalistic expertise, how come you didn't ask about the Soros connection? He didn't. I watched the interview. He, he asked a lot of other people tough questions. He kind of passed on Swami, which, again, is suspicious. Swami's page was needed to remove his role in the state of Ohio's COVID-19 response team. I guess those were the, the, the jab folks and whatever else was going on, which an editor noted came on Swami's request to have his COVID-era work removed. Why? Aren't you proud of your COVID work, Mr. Biotech? You know what? So, so the guy that gets a law degree, the guy that gets uh, starts up a uh, a biotech company, who's on the COVID nineteen response team, suddenly doesn't want people to know he was on the COVID nineteen response team. That's suspicious too. Okay, now, I don't have the answers with this because you know it's still fairly new. But I think we have got enough questions to start asking some serious uh, things about this guy. Now, of course, I don't want him anywhere near the White House. Trump, I, I believe, is going to get the nomination and, and uh, hopefully win the presidency, unless the election is stolen. I mean, they should, they'll just have to steal it better. And I don't care what Trump does. Uh, if the Democrats, when the Democrats cheat, all bets are off. Whatever it, whatever it takes to uh, erase their cheating is fine by me. You know, you don't play by the rules in this situation. We, we have to clean up the country, break the deep state, get rid of them, uh, defund them, and basically start over with a decent government. Huh. Meanwhile, back to the article, the editor deemed Ramaswamy Soros Fellowship extraneous. No, I think it's, a, I think it's the most important part. Swami announced his presidential run just two weeks after the changes to the Wikipedia page. What an amazing coincidence. Jay Hofferman's user page on the site notes that Swami paid him for his work on the page. Wikipedia editors debated the conflict of the alterations were made. 
<laughs> why wouldn't you debate the uh, um, the uh, conflict of interest before the alterations were made? <laughs> you know, Mediate notes that the reference to Swami's fellowship was later added to the page, but his work on the Ohio COVID team is still absent. Hmm. How do they know? That's interesting, too. Let's look up Jay Hoffman. Let's see what comes up. Jay, 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 Jay. Oh, Jay. Hey, Jay. Oh, Jay. Which Jay? User, Jay Hofferman, Wikipedia. I am both an occasional volunteer editor and even more occasional paid editor. <laughs> the few paid jobs I've gotten through Upwork. That is Jay Hofferman. So Jay Hofferman's an editor of Wikipedia, who apparently works for Swami. Interesting, huh? Okay, here we go. So here's another article. This is from 538, the website, 2024 election, how Vivek Ramaswamy, known affectionately as Obamaswamy, became a major presidential candidate by Nathaniel Rakich, Rakich, R-A-K-I-C-H, Rakich, July 10th, so 10 days ago. According to 538's definition, there are currently 11, I wonder what the definition is, 11 major Republican candidates for president. Ten of them have previously held or currently hold major elective office, president, senator, governor, representative, mayor. In other words, they actually have some experience. Uh, and then there's Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> he's, but you wouldn't uh, guess it at his lack of political experience from how he's performing, at least so far. The Ohio businessman and lawyer, I'll add, and lawyer, and first-time candidate has managed to poll higher than three current or former governors and receive about as much Google search interest as former vice president and, for, and a former U.N. ambassador. That would be Mike Pence, the traitor of January 6th, and Nikki Haley, the uh, neocon hack that loves war. Those are my words, not from the article. He says, there are literally hundreds of people without political experience running for president. So how has Ramashwamy managed to capture so much public attention while the others still languish in obscurity? We think there are at least three reasons. I think there's a lot of reasons, but that is an interesting question. You know, why this guy? Where did he come from? How come he is all of a sudden who everybody's talking about, a man with no experience, you know, the, the Poncharelli smile, um, and uh, the fact that he became a lawyer four years after working in private industry as a, a successful businessman. Why would you do that? And has he ever used his law degree? I don't think so. So what was he doing in Yale? That's another question. Has he used his law degree? Apparently not. Well, if he's got a law degree, I wonder if he specialized in anything. I'd love to get him on the show. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, you think Tucker's questions are tough? <laughs> you have no idea what I'm going to ask. All right. So the first thing they say is, number one, he's rich. It's just sometimes the simplest explanations are the best ones. Ramaswamy has founded two successful companies, Royvant Services Sciences, that's R-O-I-V-A-N-T, a biopharmaceutical company focused on drug development. <laughs> Isn't that what Pfizer does? <laughs> just a thought. Uh, and here's another one, Strive Asset Management. Strive. Let's look them up. Uh, Strive Asset Management. Hang on. Another window, window, window. Let's see what, what uh, this is going on. Strive Asset Management. Let's see who they are. S-T-R-I-B-E-A-S-S-E-T. Where is Strive Asset Management? The nice thing about the Internet is people give away all their uh, Strive.com. Strive Asset Management. Here we go. Let's see if we get a nice picture of Swami on the cover. Invest now in excellence. Our mission is to maximize value for our clients by leading companies to focus on excellence. What, what do you think? We're going to focus on stupidity? What kind of a stupid statement is that? Strive U.S. Energy, Strive U.S. Semiconductor, Strive Emerging Markets, ex-China, Strive 1,000 Growth. Oh, these are growth, these are growth funds, or these are uh, mutual funds. 
SMI Small Cap, Strive, Strive, Strive. Now offering the Strive Excellence Series model portfolios, an affordable approach to portfolio management with our pro fiduciary, in other words, their pro making money, pro excellence mandate. Oh, and the latest news, Strive, 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 contacts. Then you have to fill in, I'm a business owner, I'm a financial advisor, I'm an individual investor, I'm an institutional investor, I work at Strive, media inquiry, that would be me. <laughs> yeah, can I talk to you guys? So where are they out? Uh, 6555 Longshore Street, Dublin, Ohio. Oh, well, he's from Cincinnati, so I guess that makes sense. All right. Let's pick one of their funds, shall we? Which which fund do we want? Energy funds? Let's go to the first one. Strive, U.S. Energy. Buy drill. Oh, here we go. So this is this is this is so the guy's pro energy. Obviously, he's got a he's got a fund here for energy drilling. Fund objective: Drill D R L L is a passively managed exchange traded fund ETF that seeks broad market exposure to the energy sector, which of course is in the tank these days because uh, Obama Brandon have shut it off. This is energy subsectors available for inclusion in the index include crude petroleum, natural gas, bituminous coal, hydroelectric power, nuclear energy power, solar wind, geothermal, biomass, and related services. In other words, the entire energy sector. <laughs> okay. Drill offers concentrated exposure to U.S. energy sector through a cost-efficient index product. Through corporate governance practices, what the hell is that? Including voting proxy shares. Well, everybody does that. Proactively engaging with management, okay, teams and boards. All right, so they talk to, so they hold meetings. <laughs> Strive, to, to, Strive aims to unlock value in the U.S. energy sector by mandating companies to focus on excellence. The, the, the theme keeps re- recurring. Have you noticed that 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 whole idea that the, their product is excellence? Well, whose product isn't excellence? This is just weird. This whole thing is weird. Anyway, back to Swami. Uh, Here, so now, so the other thing is, so let's get back to my article in 538, which says he's rich. I'm going to take a little bit of time here for a break before we get to drum bell. He'll be on here just a little bit. Let's check my share. Live here, no calls. 215-383-3832 if you want to call. Live chat's also active. Um, but I guess everybody's listening. So, Vivek Ramaswamy, you know, here's your Dave Letterman's, you know, 10 best. This is three best. What is, you know, why is he there? Number one, he's rich. Article says sometimes the simplest explanations are the best ones. Isn't that Occam's razor? His <laughs> runway has founded two successful companies, Royvon Sciences. Okay, we already read that. Strive Asset Management, which focuses on excellence, apparently. His career, the article says, as an entrepreneur has made him a wealthy man. Earlier this year, Forbes estimated his net worth at $630 million. Well, that's over halfway to a billion. Not bad. $630 million? Hmm. And how did he get all that? What, from selling companies, managing companies, owning companies? Wait a minute. Uh, what does the average CEO make? If you're a CEO of a major company, you're in the what? You know, uh, depending on the size of the company, $1 million, $10 million, $20 million a year salary? He hasn't been working that long. Now he's got $630 million? How much do they pay? How much do they pay a CEO? Let's, let's, let's look that up. Average CEO salary. Just to find out. So, so let's, let's do. Uh, so, where's his money? That's what I'm curious. Where's his money coming from? And did he sell those companies when he was in college and make all that money? Average CEO salary. Let's see how much we're paying our, our corporate execs. comes this trends. Average chief executive officer CEO salary. 
$162,139 per year is the average base salary. Then they get bonuses, stock options, perks, uh, expense accounts, travel, things like that. So that seems low to me. That seems really low. Uh, entry level, uh, what is the pay by, ex, by experience level for a chief executive officer, CEOs? 180000 So So 200000 So they're not making millions of dollars. You know, a lot of CEOs are only making a couple hundred thousand. That seems strange, but that's average across all the board. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's look up large company. CEO salary, salary.com. Oh, I didn't know there was a salary.com. And I'm saying the median is 823000 That makes more sense. So CEO salary in the United States. So this is CEO making the States. The average CEO salary in the United States is $823,000. So June 26, 2023, that would be last month. But the range typically falls between six hundred and one million. Okay. So if he made a million dollars as CEO of his company, and he's got six hundred and fifty million now, he'd have to work six hundred and fifty years at a million dollars to get that much money, wouldn't he? <laughs> you know, just doing the math here. That uh, okay. Let's, let's say he's got two companies, each paying him a million dollars a year. So that's three hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> not not ten, <laughs> not since college. So you got to figure he went. So he went to college at eighteen, probably graduated twenty one. Then he worked for four years. That make him twenty five. Then he went to law school. That make him twenty eight. He's thirty seven. He's been out nine years. Nine years, and all of a sudden he's got six hundred thirty million dollars. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Okay. Plot thickens. So so CEO salary. So where else did the money come from? So let's just put 500k to 1 million. So where does money coming from? Uh, all right. So this is rich. This is uh, article says the best funded candidates don't always win, but you do need a credible amount of money to be a serious presidential candidate. I tend to agree. Swami's wealth has given uh, him that. March 31st, he had uh, loaned 10.25 million to his own campaign. Well, that was nice. Twice as much as former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley had raised in total. So he's not raising any money. He's just giving money from his campaign. That's interesting. And, this is, and he's investing that money in things necessary for a successful campaign. His campaign tells 538. It has about 40 people on staff. Well, that's interesting. Including veterans of former President Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Well, they're stupid. And he's been racking up frequent flyer miles. Yeah. According to our data tracking candidate visits to early states. He's been on the road a lot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Second point. He's really good at getting media. Now that's true too. Swami and another has another big advantage over other non-politicians in the GOP primary. He already had a platform from which to reach the Republican base. Oh, that's interesting. In 2021, Swami wrote a book called Woke Incorporated: Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam. Well, isn't that politically correct for a conservative? It's warning against the creep of liberal politics into business practices. We already knew that. So do you think he broke any new ground with his book? Probably not. But he, it's, it's like with conservatives, you don't have to break new ground. You don't have, you, all you have to do is repeat, repeat the cliches and they're happy. I want smaller government. We need a balanced budget amendment. You know, we want to uh, lower taxes. And we're going to protect your second amendment. You, you say that stuff and the Republicans go crazy. It's like orgasmic to them. Right? And, but the truth is those are platitudes. Those aren't, those aren't policies. Those are just ideas. 
And that's what he does. I, I saw him on Tucker Carlson. All he does is express ideas. He doesn't actually say anything. It's really interesting. Then it says, uh, okay, we've got the Freedom Flyer Miles. So He's been Fox News. Uh, oh, this is interesting. It says, from December 18, 2020, through the day he launched his campaign, he appeared on Fox News at least 110 times and Newsmax at least 12 times. Haven't seen him on uh, One American News, but that's interesting. Because that includes 20 appearances on Fox and France. Well, of course, they're, you know, and 22 appearances on Tucker Carlson, which he can't do anymore on Fox. <laughs> His continued media blitz as presidential candidate, he is known for almost never turning down an interview request. Really? Do you think I should get Swami? Let's, let's, let's see if we can get Swami on the show. Interview. Interview Swami. <laughs> I think he'd be intrigued by our concept. Number three, he doesn't look like other Republican politicians. Yeah, he's young, colored person, person of color, colored person, person of color, you know, and he's got the, uh, the Poncharelli smile. If you, get, if you don't know what I'm talking about with, with chips, go look at an old, old uh, chips um, video. It's probably there somewhere. And uh, Ponch and John. So John was like the white guy, <laughs> the blonde, white, Californian white guy, probably a surfer. So John was like a regular guy. Ponch was again was the romantic lead, the ladies' man, the uh, you know the the the, the face of, of uh, youth, you know, and the and the modern Hispanic American community. <laughs> anyway, it's pretty funny. So so Swami's got that Ponch smile. Anyway, it says he doesn't look like other Republican politicians. Well, who does? Did uh, Ben Carson look like other Republican politicians? Uh, who else look, doesn't necessarily? Vernon Johnson uh, is it Vernon Jordan? Vernon Johnson? Um, how about uh, Herschel Walker? Does he look like other Republican politicians? How about Byron Donald? I'm just naming off all black candidates I know. But there's a lot of folks. Nikki Haley is Indian. Does she look like other, you know, Republican politicians? I mean, uh, that's such a stupid statement. Because what they're, what they're trying to say is that all Republican politicians are old white men, except for the few people of color, you know. And, and that's just simply not true. But if you look at ideology, the Republicans actually have far more diversity than Democrats do. Because you've got, uh, you know, borderline Marxist Republicans all the way to absolute patriot, you know, founding father Republicans like Trump, America first Republicans. We get real diversity. On the left, they're all Marxists. And they just use color to a varying degree, depending on the varying degree of their own color. This is, is, again, this is quite fascinating. Article says Ramaswamy may not do, like to dwell on it, but he believes in an American national identity rather than focusing on race. But, of course, he brings up race. So it, I was suspicious of people that bring up something they don't want to focus on. Okay. But his campaign, the article says, could be historic. Really? The son of immigrants from India, he would be the first non-white Republican presidential nominee and the first Hindu president. See, this is why I hate the classification. This is obviously a liberal website, all right? So who cares? This is so stupid. So they've already, they've already pegged him. So in other words, you can't be anything in America until everybody knows your group, all right? So his group, first Hindu president. Hindu is, is a religion, you know, I guess I was supposed to Catholic president, right? So, so he's got Indian parents. Uh, but, of course, if he was born in this country as a natural-born American, his allegiance is here. I'm not sure what Hindu has to do with anything. So are we going to have Rama, Shiva, and, and Vishnu? <laughs> We're going to have statues in the White House of the, of the three Hindu gods? That would be interesting. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know I swear before Rama or, or Brahma or whatever. What were the three Indian gods? Hey, let me I'm not try and speak from ignorance here. Hindu gods, there's three of them. Rama, is it Rama or something? Uh, Vishnu and Shiva. Hang on, hang on. Hindu gods. Hindu gods. You going to celebrate Indian holidays in the White House? <laughs> ah, do, do, do. Do, 
do, do, do, do, do, do, do. Apparently, there are a lot of Hindu gods. I know there's so many. Give me a most important deities in Hinduism. We've got Shiva, Rama, Ganesha. I didn't know that one. Krishna, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, and Vishnu. So if you if you want to know your your Hindu gods, the ones that I remember, Shiva, Rama, and uh, Vishnu. Those are the three that I know. Ganesha and Krishna. I didn't think Krishna was a god, but apparently uh, Krishna is in the Hindu religion. One, two, three, four, five, five. This is getting interesting. <laughs> okay, so let's ask him about his Hindu religion and how that might affect uh, him, him governing. Um, so obviously, you know, the term sacred cow comes from Indians, be from India, because you don't, you know, you don't, uh, nobody consumes beef in India. So what's it going to say for the beef industry? Ah, Pianchi says, if you thought George Soros was bad, wait until you hear about his son. He recently created a foundation under his own name and is quoted as saying that his foundation will support, quote, more experimental and perhaps controversial projects that larger mainstream foundations might not be able to take on. In other words, he's going to push the boundaries of Marxism, you know, into the, the, the gulag extreme, you know, 1984 realm. He says that that statement alone isn't enough to send shivers down your spine. In 2016, he identified himself as, quote, an avid supporter of many progressive politicians, including Gavin Newsom, Tammy Duckworth, and Hillary Clinton. Well, Hillary Clinton is just an aspiring dictator. I don't think uh, progressive politics enters into Hillary's brain at all. She might use it. You know, but she's but she's not. You know, I don't think she's. Uh, you know, I don't. She may call herself a Christian, but I think that's doubtful. You know, I think her her religion is power. Her God is her. Tammy Duckworth, I'm not as familiar with, but uh, all these lefties, they want. You know, uh, if you look at the World Economic Forum, said it best. You know, eating bugs and uh, and having no property and being happy. So in other words, the worst possible situation you can think of: eating bugs, having no property. And they're going to tell you, it's like feudalism. Feudalism used to tell the, the, the peasants, you know, working in the mud and the fields and the cold, don't worry about this life. When you get to heaven, everything's going to be great. Well, of course, God wants us to have, you know, heaven down here too. Okay. So, so that never went anywhere. Anyway, let me get you some more stuff. What else? Uh, what's so cool about uh, Swami? He doesn't look like other Republicans. Okay. Well, that to me doesn't make a damn bit of difference. Research suggests that some Republican voters are attracted to non-white candidates because they like having conservative beliefs validated by some, someone who isn't white. That's strange. I asked Jerome about that. What is, this, what is this non-white thing? Some Republican voters are attracted to non-white candidates because they like having conservative beliefs validated by someone who isn't white. So does, are they assuming that, that, that uh, whites believe, uh, only whites are conservative or only the conservatives are white? What is this nonsense? <laughs> this is, others may appreciate having a non-white candidate who can preempt attacks if the GOP is racist. So in other words, well, we need black people in the Republican Party or Indian people in the Republican Party to prove we're not racist. That's a bunch of nonsense. I wouldn't care if every person in the Republican Party was a bunch of old white guys, if those old white guys were smart and did the job. Now, do I want people that look like me? I don't even know what I look like. This is, and this is the most dangerous statement that Obama ever, ever came up with. And unfortunately, it keeps catching on. It keeps coming back. It's like when Clinton said we have to grow the economy. Okay? That's just a misuse of English. You don't grow an economy. You make an economy grow. That's just basic English. An economy is not a living thing that grows. Okay? Uh, anyway, so, but Obama said people always want to be around people that look like them. In other words, skin color. So do black people of lighter black skin want to be around people of lighter black skin or darker black skin? I mean, is that a difference? In other words, an extremely light-skinned black person might be closer to a white person than an extremely dark-skinned black person. 
So who looks like them? <laughs> this is why this is such nonsense. All right. I, I, you know, if, if you're going by shades of skin color, you know, how about a, in a light skinned black person, an Asian person, are they closer in skin color? How about a light skinned Indian person? How about a dark skinned Indian person? Do they look more black than a light skinned Indian person who might look more native American, American Indian. This is why this is such nonsense. So this idea that people like people who look like them is crazy. Take two white people, Mother Teresa and Adolf Hitler, okay? Uh, they're both white people, so they must have a lot in common, right? No, they have nothing in common. Adolf Hitler killed millions of people. Mother Teresa saved millions of people. That's the difference, okay? Being white is meaningless, like being any color is meaningless as to who you are. And, then, and the sooner we get over this nonsense and get all these racist, racist classifications out of government, the better. You look at everything in terms of race, uh, and the whole world gets very strange. I, I tell you, I guarantee the first non-white person that does an action radio show is going to get credit. And today, the uh, Laotian lesbian immigrant, first person to do action radio, to create a radio show with citizen legislation involved, and they're going to get all the credit. Not me. I'm the guy that invented it, right? I'm not going to get credit. Who's going to get credit? The Laotian lesbian uh, construction worker who decided to go into radio. She'll get credit. <laughs> That's how crazy this is. All right. This is most important, though, back to the article, uh, though maybe Ramaswamy's age. He's just 37 years old, which makes him only two years into his eligibility. You have to be 35 to be president, making him, in his words, the first millennial ever to run for U.S. president as a Republican. So, so see, notice the qualifications running as a Republican. The first, he's a person of color running as a Republican. He's young as a Republican. So these are these catchwords. I'm looking at it. So why don't you say the first person to run? I mean, regardless of party, why, why do they always put Republican? In other words, the constant, re, constant reinforcement that Republicans are old, white, conservative men. Constant reinforcement. Everywhere you go, every sentence in this article, especially this section, he doesn't look like other Republican politicians, reinforces the idea that only old white guys are Republicans. Well, I think Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene might have a little difference with that. So Candace Owens, although she's not in office. Okay, so who are these old white male Republicans when we have a whole party of young, white, black, you know, Hispanic, Asian Republicans? You know, and it doesn't matter. Anyway, back to the article. He says, back to his age of being 37. That has helped him stand out in a year when age is especially salient, thanks to the advanced years, in other words, the old age, of both the Democrat and Republican frontrunners. Well, that's a misnomer, too. It's definitely a liberal article, right? So what they're equating, they're saying that both Donald Trump and Joe Biden are old. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> There's a difference between a totally coherent, mentally active, sharp as attack Donald Trump, and a completely degenerated mind, dementia-laden. Uh, and I feel sorry for him. Um, you know, but I don't want him in the White House. You know, Joe Biden. So if you're comparing, there is no way to compare Donald Trump and Joe Biden and, and criteria except the fact that they're white guys. But that's where the similarity ends. And yet, constant reinforcement, Republicans are old white guys. It's just, you see this all through this article. Then it says, these factors have helped put Swami in the 2024 presidential conversation alongside more experienced politicians. Uh, wait a minute. He's been in politics since he was 18. Remember, he was head of the Harvard uh, Union thing, the Harvard Political Union. So he's 18, now he's 37. If you were 38, that would be that'd be 20 years. So he's got at least 19 years of politics. You don't think Yale Law School was political, right? You don't think um, Harvard was political? 
You don't think setting up a biotech biz and getting all that money, you don't think that was political? This guy's head, you know, and, what, and how political were his parents? I started becoming politically aware at about eight. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I've been doing this most of my life. So the, and I'm 63. So the idea that Swami, Obama Swami, is not politically uh, experienced is ludicrous. How did he get to be chair? They said chairman, which is kind of funny, actually, for a liberal article. How did he get to be chairman of the Harvard Political Union as an undergraduate student unless he had experience in politics? There's the gap. So what happened? How did he get that? So what, what did he do in high school? You know, how politically was he there? I mean, I started writing articles in high school, political articles. Okay. So you, know, you look them up. They're out there. You know. Lexington High School, class of 77. I'm not hard to find. Size is the only one penguin in the country as far as I know. Well, maybe a couple of others. But uh, there's only one Greg Penglis in the country. Me. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah. <sighs> Do I have one more article before Jerome gets here? Let's find out. Vetting Vivek Ramaswamy. This is from the dossier. It's a, it's a um, uh, Substack column. And I, really, I just found this one just before the show, so I apologize for not knowing more about it. But let's just wing into it and see what happens. He says, and this is Jordan Schachtel, S-C-H-A-C-H-T-E-L. You got too many letters there, dude. Yeah, Schachtel. Must be Sherman, possibly. Jordan Schachtel. Could be wrong. He said, the subheading, former pharma exec and newfound anti-ESG crusader has substantial ties to China. The COVID industrial complex, Pfizer, Soros, Incorporated, and a track record of business calamities. <laughs> this is a great article. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't get this one sooner. We might go over it tomorrow. He says, Vivek Ramaswamy came out of nowhere, and now he's running for president. Oh, no kidding. I think I'll, I'm going to subscribe to this guy. Uh, I think I will. Let's subscribe. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Paid? No, not yet. I'm poor. Uh, but uh, I'll work on it. There we go. Let's go back to where we were. I'll go back to my article. Here we go. So now, now I'm subscribing. <laughs> so we should yeah, I'll get more of these. He says, like many Americans, yeah, Swami, <laughs> that's my word, popped up on the moderator due to his effective and passionate voice against ESG and DEI. That would be uh, environmental, social uh, governance or, you know, something. And DEI, what's that? Uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Okay, I have new names for those. Uh, the DEI I've been calling division, extortion, and uh, idiocracy. But I haven't quite gotten the ESG one lately. Environmental social governance. Let's let's call that. Well, let's, I'll go with the extortion theme again. Extortion, socialism, and uh, definitely governance. Anyway, this is the climate hoax. Right, so he says. So he poked. So he popped up on on uh, uh, this guy's radar screen. Shocktal, because of ESG, DEI, the climate hoax, the world. Uh, for which he deserves a lot of credit. He says, yes, suddenly he's a featured television mainstay on the likes of Fox News, CNBC, and elsewhere. Over the past few months, the 37-year-old has suddenly, almost improbably, yeah, no kidding, captured millions of eyes and ears with his passionate and articulate declarations against these agenda items. On Tuesday evening, an appearance on the Tucker Carlson show, this must be a bit old, the pharma founder, (laughs) so that's that's my problem right there, He's, he's too much into pharmacy, and Yale grad, Yale Law School grad, announced that he was running for president. Yes, commander-in-chief, head honcho of the whole country, president of the United States. A man who was almost an entire unknown before 2022 has thrown his hat in the ring for the nation's highest office. So it's time to do some real vetting. There's so little we actually know about Vivek Ramaswamy other than his clearly, carefully crafted brand. Yet another reason I'm suspicious, right? 
He says, who is the real Vivek Ramaswamy? Let's get started. Soros, WEF, and Wikipedia edits. I've already talked about those. Haven't talked about the World Economic Forum, so maybe I'll skip down to that. Ramaswamy was indeed nominated, this is the article, nominated and selected as a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader in 2021. Well, so was Justin Trudeau. And so was the, the, uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand that uh, locked down that country and put them into a dictatorship. So you know what called the World Economic Forum Young Global Leadership uh, Council? We call that Communist Boot Camp. <laughs> That's what it is. So he's a graduate of World Economic Forum Communist Boot Camp. So what the hell is he running on the Republican ticket for? This guy should be running as a Democrat, right? He says that's an obvious, massive red flag. No kidding, red being communist. However, Swami claims an alibi, explaining on social media, funny you should bring this up. This is Swami himself. The first chapter of my upcoming book in April has the receipts of my receipts of my exchanges with the World Economic Forum. Years ago, when they repeatedly kept trying to get me to be named, I gave them a polite hell no. Yeah, right. Reveals the games that WEF plays. Oh, he says it's the World Economics Forum's fault that he was selected to go with for to communist boot camp. Yeah, that doesn't pass the, uh, the smell test, as they say. Then it says what, ha- what he has yet to explain is his longtime association with Soros Incorporated. He says for reasons unknown. Ramaswamy's Wikipedia page was recently updated that deleted information about his religion and his association with Soros Incorporated. Well, I found his bio. His religion's Hindu. All right? So he won't be talking about his Christian nation. So is he going to, what, what are the big uh, Hindu holidays? First of all, there's going to be no, no beef served at the White House. <laughs> all right? So if he's truly Hindu, right? And he's, he's going to have to pray to his five gods, Rama, Vishnu, Shiva, Gashana, and Krishna. All right. This is right for the Wall Street Journal in 2020. Ramaswamy unveiled his opening salvo against the WEF and BlackRock's stakeholder capitalism model. Okay, Shakespeare, methinks thou protestest. He's protesting against are the very people that got him through Harvard, Yale, probably set up his companies and gave him $630 million, grooming him ever since he was a little kid to be president of the United States, just like Obama. That's contentious. This is just like Obama. Oh, here we go. There's more. Where's, where's Jerome? Um, we got the China part of this. I might hold this up for a bit. I'm going to, uh, I got to check my messages. Let me go play something real quick here. What is it now? 802. 802. I check on Jerome and say, hey, Jerome, dude, where are you? So let me do some stuff. I'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive. 
conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. There we go. You know what? I muted myself. I forgot to unmute myself. <laughs> I hate when this happens. Um, so you heard my crowd cheer. Let me try this one more time. Hey, Jerome. Welcome to the show. Let's, uh, hey, the, uh, Good morning. let's do the applause one more time. <laughs> you know, things, I'm, I apologize. Things have been so crazy this morning and so busy that uh, every once in a while I forget to unmute myself. Uh, when I'm playing commercials and checking messages and things like that. So here I am responding to you, getting back and everything. So I, I, uh, I apologize to everybody for not unmuting myself, but now I'm back. Anyway, so I had a great intro for you. You know, Navy Chief, 27 years, ran on our legislation, one of the first, uh, one of two people, you and Calvin Windish, that actually ran on citizen legislation, groundbreaking, historic. And we've heard the story of your campaign. Uh, but when you're here July 4th uh, for our, our reading of the Declaration of Independence. Thank you for that, too. I was really glad to have you. Um, but uh, oh no, that was fun, man. Yeah, I, I yeah. That, a lot. that was fun. Okay, we'll come back next year. We do it every year. So you'd always be welcome okay, to okay. Uh, <laughs> join us for a reading. Yeah, and then of course the conversation afterwards. But uh, you, I've I, I forgotten exactly how much I said when my mic was off. But uh, I've taken the first hour and gone over several different articles on Swami, uh, particularly his uh, Paul Soros Foundation stuff, the, the scrubbing of his Wikipedia. Um, the fact that he's got really rich in a very short time, uh, and he comes out of nowhere. But you, you had suspicions about him, too. So let's, let's start with your questions. I've just got a bunch of ones I was asking in the previous hour. So what first alerted you mm-hmm. to, uh, as I'm calling him, Obama Swami, that something was wrong? 
You like that uh, name? You well, can use one, that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you know, I called them, I actually call them the GOP's Obama is what oh. I call him. Um, okay. Because he, he, you know, he came out of nowhere, you know, again, no one knew who this guy is. He just appeared. Yeah, he, he's a rich guy. You know, he made his money. I'm sure you went over this first hour. Um, I couldn't uh-huh. listen because I was uh, still tied okay. up. You know, in the bio, in, you know, in the biotech market, you know, right. um, you know, rescuing failed drugs or drugs that were going to be abandoned or whatever. You know, he made his, you know, millions, right? So, but, what, uh, so let's stop, know, let's stop there. Uh, let's stop there because that's really important. How does someone say, now the market? These people aren't stupid. Big pharma. I mean, they've, they've made trillions of dollars, right? The the most powerful companies in the world. How is it that all of a sudden Swami comes out of nowhere, finds drugs that everybody else has seemed to abandon, and turns them into massive profits? That doesn't make sense. You know, it makes no sense at all. And I was trying to wrap my head around that too. Okay, well. You know, like GlaxoSmithKline, and you know they gave him, you know, the um, okay for one of their failed um, Alzheimer drugs because I guess you know his mom was a geriatric nurse or doctor. Or, no, actually she was a geriatric psychiatrist that worked with mm-hmm. Alzheimer's patients. You know, right? And so he used to play for these Alzheimer patients. You know, as a, you know, kind of he's an accomplished pianist. You know, he was the valedictorian of his high school in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. He went to Harvard. You know, so he's a very, very bright guy, you mm-hmm. know, and so he started this thing called Axivan or whatever. Um, and, what you know, and one day, what did he it, start? Was, it was Axivant. Axivant. How do you spell that? Axivant was the company that is it's, uh, A-X-O-V-A-N-T. Okay, so it's okay. an Alzheimer's drug that had been basically banned by giant pharma. So when I started looking at this guy, I'm like, okay, one, okay, he's a big pharma guy, so that's a red flag right there. You know, yep. it's in itself. He's in <laughs> bed with a big pharma, you know, he's, uh, uh, and, and that's basically how he made his millions. He's a drug dealer, right, basically, right? <laughs> so he's a drug dealer with big pharma, okay? Not, but, he, and so but he's dealing with failed day, drugs. These are failed drugs. These right, are drugs right. that they abandon. I mean, they, they don't abandon drugs. We have drugs that are killing people. The COVID shot's killing a ridiculous amount of people. They're not abandoning it. They keep it. So what was wrong with this drug? Yeah, they're definitely <laughs> keeping it. I mean, well, I don't know what's wrong with that drug, but they gave him to me. That he pay, you see, his, 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 he paid $5 million up front. I'm like, okay, well, where did this guy get $5 million? You know, Harvard grad. Yeah, he worked in a, uh, a, you know, a company after that. But he paid up front $5 million, and they was like, okay, cool. You know, if you want to pay $5 million for a failed drug, go for it. So he did that. And, um, and, and, and you know, on the first day, basically, you know, of, of, of his IPO, you know, it, it doubled. It went to like $3 billion. It went to like $3 That's billion. That's Unless, unless, the, yeah. unless they had inside people buying it. The, so that had to be uh, – that's like money laundering. <laughs> to me, that's, that's, that's investment money laundering. Just made up a new term. Because whoever – we, <laughs> we know the buyers. The, well, think about it. Who, who would do that? Pfizer, Moderna, you know, all the big companies that want to support him uh, connect, in connection with Soros, which is in connection with the COVID shot. They're, they're all the same company. You know, big tech, big pharma. Um, all those all those people work together in, in a fascist cabal with the, with the vaccine. So this is like pre-vaccine stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was on the COVID mm-hmm. team in Ohio. So I mean, he t- he's already tied into the system. So we got a big pharma person. Right. We got a massive IPO. And he, and, I, I, and he pushed the masking, and he pushed all of that. He pushed masking. Oh, he, he did. Pushed all of that. 
Okay, oh, yeah. so that's oh, from yeah. his COVID-19 yeah, days? Yeah, okay. he definitely pushed the masking. Yeah, because there's a tweet out. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. Because I, I you know, went in. I, I always research these these people oh, man, yeah. because, you know, they're, they're – um, uh, well, come on, you know, because they're money by who they want to be, right? Or who mm-hmm. – or, or to portray who they are to the people. That's why mm-hmm. there's so much money involved in politics because you can brand or rebrand or, or, or put the persona of who you are in front of the people to give them the perception of, you know, who you are. You know, so he made a tweet. He said, wearing a mask equals personal responsibility. It's now, puzzling when conservatives oppose it. This guy is a liberal. I mean, he went to Harvard, so you know he's a liberal, right? He went to Harvard. Yeah, he went to Harvard. Yeah, he said, Yale Law School. puzzling when, when conservatives oppose it. Yeah, yeah. You know, he went to law school, and, and, and his, his tweet goes on to read, you know, but before deriding them, remember this, CDC and the WHO discouraged wearing masks. I mean, but he's pushing it, you know, and no lie, to save masks for healthcare workers. He, 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 he's pushing masking, and so he's pushing, you know, COVID. Like I said, he was on the team, when, you know, he graduated from Cincinnati and Ohio. He was on the COVID team. So this guy is not for medical freedoms. Okay, so that's another no. red flag to me. He's not for you know medical freedoms. So he's and not for the Constitution. This guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's definitely not from the Constitution. I mean, he's an anchor baby. I started to look at that. He's an anchor baby. His parents were. Wait, 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 wait! Stop, stop right there. Stop right there. The so, States. so yeah. no, no, hold on. This is this is critical. Now, so his parents did not come to this country legally. Is that what you're saying? Well, no, his parents were here legally, but they were not citizens. And so, so he's not I mean, a anchor baby. So he's not a citizen then. To me. Well, he was 14th born. Amendment. So I don't care if I don't care if he's born American dirt. <laughs> being being born American dirt does not make you a citizen. Being born to an American See, citizen parent makes you an American citizen. Citizenship transfers right. from the parent. Right. It does not mm-hmm. transfer because you're 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 you know sitting on American dirt. It doesn't work that way. No. What the 14th Amendment is yeah, all about. Maybe. And we've been obviously, oh, I'll say, exactly. Pianchi and I, we talk about this all the time, that the 14th Amendment is really clear. It is citizenship jurisdiction, not geographical, okay? So the 14th Amendment is very clear that you have to have a parent who's a, who's a citizen. And it can be an immigrant. You know, they can be naturalized like me. You know, my daughter's a mm-hmm. citizen. Uh, she was born here. You know, my ex is, was born here, too. But even if she were born in, in uh, you know, Armenia, it wouldn't matter. Because I was a natural, I was naturalized from from Canadian citizenship. So my kid's gonna be an American no matter right. where she's born. Okay. Right. So, uh, which is kind of ironic because I got her Canadian citizenship as well. But that's another story. Um, but but the point is that Swami, if his parents were not American citizens, that were they permanent residents? They were working here. They were residents. Yes. Okay. So all right. So that's okay then. All right. So so here's the difference. So if you if you're here on a visa, you can't give birth to an American. Okay, if you're if you're a legal immigrant, in other words, you're on a green card. If you're on a green card, yes, you can, because the government has given you permission. You've been invited to stay as a permanent resident on the assumption that you're doing that to become a U.S. citizen with full allegiance to this country. So immigrants, legal immigrants, green card holding permanent residents can give birth to American citizens. You know, I have to go back and actually look at the legal status of their parents. Um, yeah, let's uh, do that. We, to, we, don't yeah, yeah. we don't want to give up misinformation. Yeah, we don't give up misinformation, Jerome. <laughs> oh no 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 no! We can't do that. Can't no, but do that's a good point. Kill me over that, you know. because so, Kamala yeah. Harris is not an American citizen by definition, because right, her parents right, because her parents because her parents were not. I yeah. agree. I one, agree. Yeah, one one of them was on an expired student visa, and the other one wasn't on a visa at all. So she is not a citizen, 
And I had um, Joe Arpaio on the show, sheriff of Maricopa County, um, back when I was at WEBY, and he's got a low voice, hard to listen to, but he said that uh, the um, birth certificate of uh, Barack Obama is a fraud. You know, so it's a fraud. He willed it a fraud. Okay, so Obama's not a citizen. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not going to worry about that too much now. I mean, the damage is done. The damage is already done with that. You know, that but we can, uh, but we can know, prevent Unfortunately, yeah. not enough people believe this. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think yeah. there's. I, th- and, I think with Swami, there's enough other stuff to worry about. Um, now, if, if we can show that his parents are not citizens and he's not a citizen, that's huge. Okay, that's disqualifying. But if his parents were legal residents, if they are on, a, if, one, if just one of them was on a green card, it's okay. That's how it works. So we just need, we just oh, need yeah. to find that out. I, that's I, all. I do. I, I totally yeah. agree with you on that. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, you know, but I remember. You know, I'm trying to remember um, what I was going through reading and stuff. I don't remember really seeing that they were on a visa or that they were on a green card, you know, because, you know, some of these articles and, you know, when you go back, they're vague, you know, so you, so, so you have to really dig, dig, dig. Well, it's just they and moved so, from uh, India. Yeah, so they I'm going to dig India, a little more, though. You know, and he was born here, okay? So the fact that he was born here is irrelevant if he was born to Indian parents. You know, now he could become a naturalized citizen, after he lived here, his parents brought him here. He could apply for citizenship. That'd be okay. But if, he, if he's not, we, we should just check his status. What is his official status? Of course, the Republicans won't do that because the old white guys don't want to appear racist. No, they're definitely not going to do it. You know, right. the, exactly. the young men of color. <laughs> yeah. so they well, don't want to be racist. <laughs> They don't want to be racist. I can't be racist. Indian guy. Can't can't uh, sacrifice your country, but don't be called a racist. <laughs> yeah, this is so funny. Well, you know what? I, you know what he reminds me of. Do you remember the show Chips? Remember Poncharelli? Yeah, punch. Yeah, he does look like punch. <laughs> he's got he's got the punch Poncho. smile. Yeah, he's got that that big toothy right, grin. Yeah, right. to me, I'm innocent. It's yeah. like a little boy grin. You know, it's it's hysterical. So I, I, we should call him Obama Punch Swami. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but that's uh, all hey, right. So. Hey. Go ahead. All right, so and then so so when I just you know like say continue to look at it, um, so he made his billions in this in this industry, right? In, in the drug drug industry, and then now in he's a hedge fund hedge fund manager. There's another mm-hmm. red flag. So anybody in the hedge fund industry, and so you know as I continue, wait, to wait, wait, dig, then I go back. I see. Hold on, hold on. This uh-huh. is a good point. Let's 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 get our points as we get him here. He's a hedge fund manager. Mm-hmm. Now, did he go to Harvard Business mm-hmm. School? Does he have a finance degree? Does he have any nope. experience on Wall Street? No, he does he finance. have an Does he have an internship well, at Goldman Sachs? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you get to manage a hedge fund? But I do know this. Though. I do know this what? though. I do um, know that he was a uh, Soros fellow. Oh yeah, we talked about Holiday that. Paul and Daisy Soros, Soros. Yeah. fellowship, right? right. So now here's yeah. a question for you, too. This is just some questions I had from the previous hour. So he, now they say he's, he's new to politics, but apparently I found he was chairman of the Harvard Political Union as an undergrad. So he's been in politics at right. least since he was 18, probably earlier. So we're talking about probably in high school, I bet you he was in politics. So this is the perfect, perfect politically groomed. I don't mean grooming in the sense that it's being used now with uh, child trafficking. That's a whole different thing. But if you're groomed no, not in the traditional groomed. sense of... In the traditional sense of being groomed, in other words, you're being, you know, you're, you're being uh, uh, trained properly, just like Obama was trained properly, to assume the presidency, you know, and say all the right things and do all the right things and uh, be as, uh, you know, Biden. What, what did Biden say about him? He's clean. He's, uh, he's articulate. He's a young black person who we can understand. Right. Whatever right. stupid <laughs> thing he said, right? right? It was hysterical. Yeah. So yeah, this guy, exactly. so th- but, but think about it. Isn't that the model? 
So you want a you want a person of color that looks like a, a white guy, I mean, or sounds like a white guy? Is that why Elvis Presley no, was popular? Sounds like a white guy, right? Right. You want sounds to like, sound a like a white guy, right? Exactly. So where's his Indian accent? How come he doesn't get up there and say, "Would well, I like to run for president of the United States at a wonderful time? My parents from India taught me well how to be a pharmacist, you know, in big pharma." I mean, why doesn't he talk like that? Where's his accent? <laughs> I mean, call me. I'm just having fun with this, but uh, you know, I mean. Yeah. You know, everybody in this country I mean, is so a, he's an educated, right? He's an educated Harvard, Harvard man. And he's Harvard, Harvard, okay. Harvard man. Well, so where's his Boston accent? Harvard, you know. So. Where's his Boston accent? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, why doesn't yeah. they sound like the Kennedys? Yeah, from Boston. You well, because he's from Cincinnati. He just went to Harvard. <laughs> oh. So, <laughs> well, how... Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> yeah, you're from Ohio, aren't you, originally? Yeah, I'm from Cleveland. I'm originally from okay. Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. So, so, I think he was... Aren't his parents from Cleveland, too? Were you guys like neighbors or no? Uh, what's Cincinnati? Did you know the Swamis? Five hours away, so I did not oh, know okay. the Swamis. Oh, so I did not. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I'm saying is, but Ohio, away. Ohio doesn't have an accent, right? Or not too much of one. It's kind of like generic American. I mean, yeah. You know, it just depends you, on where you're from. You know, if you're from the South, you can. You know, it's not anything that you can distinct from anywhere else. You know, being in Cleveland or being from Ohio, be like, oh yeah, you're from right. Ohio. Now you can't distinguish that. You can't do that. No, okay. I don't, I don't but here's what's interesting: it, it, if you listen to the congressional hearings, and I, I'm, this is why I've been so busy. I've been going over the uh, the whistleblower, and there really is. I was mm-hmm. surprised how little there was. Most of it we already know. The opening statements were the best, but it's always fun when you get the Southern uh, politicians because you can always tell who they are immediately. And so this country <laughs> has accents. Most people in this country have an yes. accent. So I'm wondering how a man of Indian mm-hmm. parents, he's first-generation American, right? His parents came from India. Why doesn't he have some yes. trace of an Indian accent? That's just... He should. No, you would think he should because being in the home, you, know, you still yeah. have the dialect and you still have, the, like I said, the accent of the parents being first-generation. You know, if he mm-hmm. was second, third, yeah, you tend to lose the accent, but not the first guy. Got no. You know, no. But, and he, he probably like speaks he, Hindi. He, I bet he speaks yeah. Hindi. Oh, I'm sure he does. You know, I'm sure he speaks a, a, a few different languages, you know, because he's, you know, he's partnered with some, you know, Chinese asset management companies, you know, the back oh, Chinese companies. So he's part of the TCP here. There's another, there's another uh, red flag, uh, you know, of uh, this company called Cinevent. He partnered with a Chinese company named Cinevent. Okay, let's just slow, slow down. Let's get that, uh, know, let's so get that company the, all spelled mm-hmm. out. What's the company called? Cinevent. Cinevent. Spell it, please. S I S I. N O V A N T, Sinovant. Now, Sino is is like a code for Chinese. Remember the Sino Soviet right. War? It's a Chinese company. So, Sino right. means Chinese. Right. Huh. Right. Okay, that's yeah, interesting. Yeah, and that company was linked to a nonprofit uh, managed, a nonprofit company which is managed by. the CCP's Ministry of Civil Affairs of China. You know, everything is controlled by basically. Know the government in China, so he was part of that. So there's another red flag for me, you know. And, and you know, if you're dealing with China and you're dealing with the CCP and you're intermingled, you know, with that type group, you know, hey, well there you go. <laughs> did did he declare his so, income? Did, no more. <laughs> did he <laughs> did he declare his income from the, the Chinese Communist Party on his taxes? Hey, well, I don't know. Yeah, you know, I don't know, but I do know this though. I do know uh-huh. this. You're looking at his public financial disclosure report, which you know when. When you run for Congress or president, you you know you have to disclose your funds or whatever. Right. You know, so mm-hmm. we know he 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 owns a BlackRock, Black Black BlackRock. I say it again, BlackRock, aggressive um, growth portfolio for his child, worth up to two hundred fifty thousand. But here it is, his 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 
Ramaswamy Trust, right? So his mm-hmm. Ramaswamy Trust own, owns up to $5 million of BlackRock equity fund. Okay. So he's worth $630 million. Let's, let's do some math here and see if we can come up with, with where you get it from. So first of all, he went to Harvard. Did he pay for Harvard or did he get an affirmative action scholarship? That's the first question. <laughs> he probably got he probably got a uh, you know a scholarship. He probably claimed Indian. I have to go back and see actually what he claimed. Um, and, you know, I'm sure his records are probably still just like Obama. You can't but go back and see uh, that you know he claimed so that's uh, the other thing. Uh, foreign status. Yeah, what what are his grades? You know, what courses did he take? You know, I mean, uh, he, he's got a biology smart, major. I think he did. I think well, he did. I, oh, right, right. I'm not right. disputing he's a biology that. Major, bi- biology major, right. biology, biology major at that. Right. No, okay. a biology major that went hedge, hedge fund management, that went, you know, into the uh, drug dealing sector. You, know, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. have fun saying that, don't you? You have fun saying that. Come oh, on oh yeah, 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 I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's do some math. All right, so he went to Harvard. Harvard costs what, hundred thousand dollars a year? I'm just guessing. Uh, did he have any? Did he have any student boost. loans? Did uh, Did he pay off all his student okay. loans? Did he even have well, student loans? Well, oh. Yeah. Uh, exactly. You know, I haven't dug that deep yet. You know, but I really want okay. to know. No, no, he, I don't expect you to have answers. He, you know, you did know. he go? Yeah, we're just asking questions. He probably went there as an American citizen because he was valedictorian of his of his high school. So, you know, right. I would, I, I'm quite sure I would well, assume, but you never know because, you know, he could have claimed Indian, Indian citizenship or whatever. They was, you know, went to Harvard, like you say, you know, on a, a foreign, um, foreign scholarship. Allah, that's as a foreign student, Allah, Allah Obama. That's what Obama did with Columbia, you know. So, as a foreign student, yeah. See, this is where it gets interesting. He, he's like Obama too. I think you're absolutely right, and uh, I probably stole it from you. Uh, oh, and didn't realize oh it, but yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay, so you know? let's do some. Uh, let's do a little math here, real quick. So he's. He, we don't know how he paid for Harvard, but Harvard's expensive. Um, and then he goes out and he he starts uh, a company while he's in college, which is pretty interesting. You know, you think as a as a Harvard yeah. senior, you'd be busy. You wouldn't be starting a company called Student. What was it called? StudentBusiness.com. Yeah, Student Business. Right. StudentBusiness.com. Guess what? Exactly. I, I looked at the website. It's non-existent. It's gone. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, they scrubbed <laughs> a lot of things like that. Oh well, yeah, that, so you know, StudentBusiness.com. That's clean, gone, man. So, so the business uh-huh. that he started. Now it might be gone because it was acquired. They might have changed the name. However, it might not. Okay, so uh, so that's gone. Here's another thing too. So he started business um, while he's a senior, and worked uh, what four years before he started into Yale Law School. So if you're a successful right. business person, if you're a successful business person, why would you go to law school? I, I wouldn't. There's no reason for you, for me to go to law school if I'm very successful and I'm you know, making billions. There, yeah. Why go to law school? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you went to law school, wouldn't you use your law degree somewhere? You would think. So why would you go to why would you go to (laughs) okay? So why would you go to the top one of the top law schools in the country? Harvard and Yale are probably the two top law schools. That's where all our uh, Supreme Court judges come from. All right. So this is this is the top of the top, Mm -hmm. the best law schools in the country, and yet he never has any evidence that he's ever used his law degree. I don't know if he's ever been in a trial. I don't know if he's done any legal uh, legal work for anybody. I don't know if he's ever had legal clients. Has he ever worked for a law firm? I mean, has he done anything in law? What did he do with his Yale Law degree? Where'd you get that? That's expensive too. Really expensive. Really expensive. Really expensive. Yeah. So you go to one of the most expensive 
uh, Ivy League schools, and then you go to one of the most expensive Ivy League schools for law school. You know, and so not you gotta use have it. some bills in there somewhere, but yeah, right, right. yeah, exactly. And not use and not, it. And not use it. And not yeah, use that's it, you know that's suspicious. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I do know one person, right? And you know, when I say one person, that's probably really the only person that I know that has you know has ever done it, gone to law school and didn't use the degree because he said once I got out of law school, I found out that I didn't want to do all the paperwork. <laughs> so <laughs> you're supposed to find that that out before so you go to law school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's you supposed to. That's what's happening, uh, dude. You're supposed to like checking for that before law school, and so now you yep. have these bills, and you're not going to use law. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> Which, <laughs> you know, so do you know why? Do you know why I didn't go to law school? He found out. Yeah. Eh, and I really didn't yeah. want to do this. <laughs> yeah, I, I went to law school too, but do you know why I decided not to go? Why is that? Couldn't pay the student loans. Ah. Uh, Too expensive. Well, think about uh, well, now. Think about I that now. That with the I, loans I, being, I wanted to go to law know. school. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go to law school. You know why I didn't go? I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't go. So wait a minute. But you had a GI <laughs> you know, Bill. You were yeah, your Navy, no your Navy chief. Didn't you get a GI Bill after all those years uh, serving the Navy? Oh, well, this was prior. This was prior. I, I mean, I wanted to go to law school. I, I, you know, I I did want to be a lawyer coming out of high school. You know, and, and okay. things like that, you know, but I couldn't afford it. You know, my yeah. parents couldn't afford it, you know. Yeah, and exactly. I couldn't get into these schools. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And I wasn't that guy that was just going to, you know, try to get, um, you know, loans or whatever to go to school. Right? Yeah, I didn't want to do it either. School, they didn't even have government. They didn't even have these guaranteed student loans, you know, then. So yeah, that's shit, the, if you didn't the have government had to take them over. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and look at it. And you ran for Congress, right, as a non-lawyer. And I, I, I created Action Radio, a, a citizen legislative service, as a non-lawyer. Neither of us have been to law school. And look at what we're doing now, which, was, which you know, sort of says that you don't have to go to law school unless you, unless you want to be a trial attorney. I think you have to have a law degree yeah, exactly. for that. I think that's um, right. Yeah. But other than a trial attorney, uh, you know. But here's the other thing. Here's another thing too. So I looked at the average CEO salary. And the CEOs make from 500000 to a million, so half a million to a million dollars on average. Now, there's some that make more than that. So if you're a CEO, let's say he made a million dollars as a CEO for two companies, so he's making $2 million a year. He only, after Yale, he only works. He's 37. He graduated law school, what, 28? That's only nine years. Yeah, we about 28, so, yep. So if he made $2 million per year over nine years, that's $18 million. Where did the other 600 and... 18 million come from? Well, you know, that's that $6 million question, you know, and, and you know, that's what people have no, to do. No, 600, and, $600 and, million dollar question. Do the whole, yeah, 600, <laughs> yeah, yeah, $600 million question for that, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. so, you know, I can't answer that right now because I haven't dug that far into it, but mm. um, I'm sure, you know, his parents may have had money, you know. Not that now, much. I haven't dug into his parents, uh, you know, to his parents' background. Um, deep. What did they bring it all from India? Worked for, you know, his father worked for General Electric. He was a, he was a guy up in General Electric did something, right. and then like I say, his mother was a he geriatric was a psychiatrist, yeah. so she made a little bit of money, yeah. you know. So, right. um, and he was a patent uh, I mean, a patent attorney for General Dynamics or General Electric. So he was a lawyer. General Electric, General Electric, right? So, 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 so his parents were educated yeah. too, and they and, and, and they possibly right. had some money. You know, maybe not they not that much. To to Harvard, you know. Well, they may have paid. So I'm sure okay, he probably so got a scholarship. I'm yeah. sure he probably so got the, some type of scholarship. You know, I'm sure he claimed uh-huh. Indian. I'm sure he did not claim 
you know, American citizenship. I don't, you know, why would he? You know, if he can go, you know, as an Indian, you know, as a, you know, as a, a citizen of India for free or, you know, get scholarship, you know, you know, as a foreign student, you know, I, you know, I guess he, he, he used at least. Well, can you get an application? Him, he looks, can, you know, he looks like we, he's from yeah. India, you know, instead of the hag up in, you know, up in Boston, Pocahontas, you know, as Trump <laughs> called her, you know, um, Warren. <laughs> Well, you know that that you know that looks not nothing like a a Native American, but pulled it off, you know, and and got money. So, you know, I think that was used more more often than uh, people really realize. You know how people actually went to school, you know, things like that, because you just have to have Indian descent. So, you know, I think that'd be interesting to actually go and dig if you know if we could find it. Oh yeah, how did this guy go to school? Who paid for his school? Was he an American citizen? Did he claim American citizenship? So. Yeah, interesting. And if you and do claim American citizenship, learn... yeah, then he doesn't have allegiance to this country. If you don't have allegiance to this country, you certainly can't be president. Uh, you know, unless your name is Obama. Yeah. So, so what? Let me ask you about Obama. So, when you first heard about him, uh, I'm always curious. What What was your initial reaction to Obama? Well, you know, smooth talker and. And that's why I call them, you know, Obama and Obama 2.0, the GOP Obama. You know, if you look at those guys, uh-huh. you know, they're both smooth talkers. You know, they're both from, you know, Ivy League schools, supposedly. You know, uh-huh. they're very, very polished, very, very polished. Um, and so what I thought about Obama, smooth talker, you know, he could code shift a little bit. You know, he could, you know, come down to, you know, try to sound black a little bit. You know, he you know sound black, but then he you know he's a black guy, sounded white, a la Joe, Joe he's Biden. He's the whitest he, he black guy well, I've ever seen. You know? he's, uh, he, <laughs> he is. Well, think about that, Jerome. He's the whitest black guy ever out there. So, so what is is this? Is this some uh, political psychological merger? So, when a black guy that looks white, so he's not too black, but he's black enough to make white people feel guilty. But he's not so black that he he offends you know white liberals who will vote for him. So it's it's this weird psychological twisting. I mean, how black is Obama? Right. You know, in terms of, right. of yeah. culture, American uh, I mean, black heritage. He's not heritage. black at all. I mean, I mean he's, he, you know, Obama grew up white. He didn't grow up black. You know, he grew up based huh. on the white culture. You know, pretty much right. his mom was white. Well, I, well you know, and, I tell you, and as a kid, he grew up in Indonesia. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know which what the Asian. hell Obama is. You know, which, to be which honest. Asian Muslim? You know, he's Asian. You know, he grew up Asian. <laughs> right, right, right. He grew up Asian Muslim. He didn't even grow up black. He truly didn't grow up, I guess, in the white culture, you know until he became an adult and after he got groomed over in Indonesia, then he came back and, you know, well, you know, there's this story. You know, I say this, right? Let's hear it. (laughs) This sounds sounds good already. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We're going to shift for a minute. Okay. So back in 2008, right. I read this article. I read this article about, um, about Obama. And it was it was written it was written by this guy named Tom Fight, and and it was saying that uh, the first time that he had heard of Barack Obama, uh, the first time I heard of Barack, I just said he didn't even say Obama, he just said uh, the first time I heard of Barack, and it was basically during the period he's uh, between um, February 1992 to 1994, uh, this guy he made frequent trips to Moscow and Russia because he was starting to, in the process of starting a software development joint venture company with some people from the Russian scientific community. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, and one of the men in charge on the Russian side was 
name's VM, and he just called him VM. He didn't really mention his full name, I guess, you know, changed the name to protect the innocent, and a wife mm-hmm. named TM. So, you know, he, he didn't want to give away the people he was meeting with, right? So mm-hmm. V, he was a level-headed, what he called a level-headed scientist, while his wife was very, very deeply committed to the communist cause there in Russia. Okay, and and, and and she was one of them type people that was not abandoning the communists, the losing, I guess, communist cause, as Tom will call it. So he describes on an evening during the trip in early 1992, the his American half, I guess, of, of the venture team, they're invited to, he called VNT's Moscow house, or flat as, as he called it, um, before they were about to return to the States. So it was like a party. Okay. They had a party, they had dinner, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So he was, he, so he was saying how they, you know, over normal dinner, they had normal dinner discussions, but he said on this evening, uh, his wife, right. Developed a very, very rough and decidedly rough anti-American edge that her husband pretty much tried to shut up. I guess she was drinking, right? You know, they had a little little too much yeah. wine and in vino you know, veritas. some truth start coming out. <laughs> in vino veritas. You know, and some truth yeah. started coming out. Uh-huh. And uh, and so she started against this tirade against the United States. And he says it, it went something like this, and I'm going to pull this up. I'm going to quote this, right? Yeah, no, go ahead. Yeah, that, so, this is great. I love stuff like this. <laughs> you, you Americans always like to think. Now, keep in mind, this is 1992. 1992, February 1992. Mm-hmm. Um, so she said, you Americans always like to think that you have the perfect government and your people are always so perfect. Well, then, why haven't you had a woman president by now? You had a chance to vote for a woman vice president and didn't do it. He said the general response went something along the lines like, you don't vote for someone just because of their sex. Right. Besides, you don't vote for vice president because the president and vice president was from the American, I guess, delegation. So she responds, well, I think you are going to be surprised when you get a black president very soon. Now, she said this in 1992. We, oh, okay, yeah, Jesse Jackson ran for president, you know, so we had a couple of people, whatever, right? But so she was saying that we're going to be surprised. So he, uh, Tom described, said the consensus was that, and we expressed that we didn't think there was anything, you know, barring that, you know, for the right person. Sure, right, right person, right time, you know, no problem. Mm-hmm. America would vote for the right person, you know, be he or she black or not. And then she says, well, what if I told you that you will have a black president very soon and he will be a communist? So <laughs> out of that, hmm. you know, she continued, well, you will you will and he will be a communist. So he said it was then that the husband pretty much tried to shut her down after that. Very unsuccessfully, he said, tries to change the subject. But, you know, but, you know, by this time she was on her roll and she, you know, wouldn't have anything of it. So he said, one of us asked, well, <clears throat> it sounds like you know something we don't. She said, yes, it's true. This is not some idle talk. He is already born. I guess they were talking, you know, basically talking about Christ or something, but he's already born <laughs> and, he is, and he's educated. Yep. He's educated. You know how they say, you know, and, you know, uh, he's educated yeah. and he's being groomed to be president right now. Right mm-hmm. now. So when you go back and look at that time frame and you look at, okay, Obama, 1992, 
you know, that's around that time. Okay, all right, you know, if you, you know, really want to go back and, and you know, and timestamp everything, put everything on a timeline. So he's being schooled right now. You will be impressed to know that he has gone to one of the best schools of presidents. He is one that you, uh, he, is, he is what you call Ivy League. He said, uh, and she said, you don't believe me, but he's real, and I even know his name. <laughs> and she said, his name is Barack. <laughs> this is yeah, this, this actually right? makes perfect sense. You know? Yeah. So, and, yeah, so Barack yeah, went know, to Columbia, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say yeah. it makes perfect sense because we all know that, that uh, Obama was definitely uh, selected as an early age groomed, given all the proper training, you know, all the, mm-hmm. the speaking ability, the ability to use the teleprompter. I mean, he was so well coached in all this stuff, you know, saying exactly the right thing without saying anything. Yeah. You know, and his, right. the line that always disgusts me, you know, people only like people who look like them. You know, it's like, well, as I said in the first hour of the show, you know, I mean, uh, you know, as a white guy, you know, Adolf Hitler is white and so is Mother Teresa. You know, do they have anything in common? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> you know, so, so no. This, no, not at all. You know, so if you want to, you know, you know, pick two people, uh, pick Idi Amin um, and uh, Martin Luther King. They're both black. They have anything in common? No, <laughs> you know, no. so this, this whole scale thing is so ridiculous. Oh. So, but, but this is what they use with American politics. And the Chinese realize this. I think Leon Skousen, the naked communist, they, uh, the, the, this country is, is based on, on race division, whereas most countries, Marxist divisions are class division. So you look at Europe. Europe is a class divided society. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a, you know, a blacksmith, your son's going to be a blacksmith, your grandson's going to be a blacksmith, you know. So in other words, the trades, if you're a tradesperson, that's, that's your station in life. And it's very hard to move to different classes. So if you're lower class, you're always going to be lower class. If you're middle class, you'll always be middle class. And if you're aristocrat, you're always going to be an aristocrat. So that was the problem with, with right. uh, European society was it was class oriented. Now, our country, uh, unfortunately, has been race oriented. You know, and so everything, the, the, they use that against us. Even though we had the Civil Rights Act, even though black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Jewish, Christian, Hindu, Americans go about our day, you know, we recognize that people are different, but it doesn't mean anything to us because we're all Americans. And so we do what we do. We do commerce. We do our jobs. You know, all the things that people do all day long doesn't matter. But for the politicians that want to divide people and put everybody into a group, they use that against us. And so they knew that a, a black communist would be more acceptable than a white communist because, oh, you know, we can't have that. But, mm-hmm. uh, we put the, but you put the white guilt in there. So they knew, the communists knew that if the, the most successful candidate for office would be, you know, a black candidate who's not too black. You know, speaks well, sounds like a white guy, mm-hmm. you know, not so it doesn't look like a dangerous, but doesn't look like Malcolm X. In other words, so Malcolm X, for all his brilliance, was a threat. Right. right. Okay. Yeah. Right, so exactly. go ahead. Tell me. Exactly. You, you know, so what do you think? So you got to have the right black person. No, I agree. Okay. No, I agree. I, mean, I agree 100%. You know, it's just, um, you know, reading the article, it says, so how point shoes. I mean, she goes into, you know, he's from Hawaii. You know, he's going to the best schools. He's half white. He's an atheist and a communist. And if you really look at that, you know, I always say, oh, yeah, Obama is a straight communist. He was a Marxist. He was a communist. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. And, you know, and after reading this article, and, and you know, and I found this article, you know, after, I'm like, man, you know, this, oh, this article I'll, I'll was spot it. on, you know. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely, definitely yeah. You know, lived in Chicago. Well. I mean, everything. Uh-huh. She, was, she was just so, so spot on. You know, this is so why Chicago? Russia. And this is, you why know, Chicago? in 1992. Yeah. Well, right, so, so. I, you know, I don't know. You know, I think Chicago is one of the most corrupt cities, you know. So when you go to Chicago, you know, everything right. gets pretty much shut down in, um, in Chicago. You know, that's one of the most corrupt places in, in the nation. You know, all of the, 
you know, bad stuff. You know, you had the, you know, mafia, the mafia run Chicago. Yeah, Al Capone. You know, so, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Hey, so, I, I saw the entire you know, If you really wanted to. And now what are you prepared to do? Just on Cutter, yeah. <laughs> Dying there after he takes a hundred rounds of forty-five ammo, right? He should have been dead within within uh, you know a split second, but he's still there crawling across the floor, you know. And now what are you prepared to do, <laughs> Lottie? <laughs> it was pretty funny. Um, yeah, right. But yeah, sh- Chicago's got an interesting history. So he goes, but if you look at Obama's history. So we're not sure exactly where he was born. Kenya claims him as being born in Kenya. Then he ends up in, I think, did he go to Hawaii first and then Indonesia? I think he went to Indonesia first, right? Or where, well, where was he? First, yeah, he went to he, right. He went to you know where he was where Barry Sotero, where he actually supposedly had lived with his father. Right, right. He had his name was Barry Sotero, you know. At that okay, point, so changed, you know, right. over in Indonesia. So he went to schools over there, you know. So Muslim school? He, you know, I don't know. Did he go to American? I don't even know how the Hawaii. I don't even know how the Hawaii team came. But yeah, I mean, he was raised Muslim. He was raised over like say Asian Muslim. Yeah. And I don't even know where the Hawaii thing truly even came up. I think, you know, I think Hawaii they use Hawaii because of how they do the birth certificates and how, you know, I guess, um, secure they mm-hmm. are or whatever. I, yeah, I don't even know how, I don't even know when and how he went to, you know, Hawaii, to be honest, or, or really at what point, because I know he grew up in Indonesia. So, I, you know, I think they so just use Hawaii Indonesia. As, a, as a root. Indonesia, yeah. So Indonesia is a Muslim nation. It's huge. It's got a million islands. Um, it's the largest Muslim country in the world in terms of population. And, and and what we don't talk about a lot of is Obama's Marxist, his Muslim heritage. So you got you know Islam, which is a theocracy. If you look at uh, Sharia law, it's basically a, a dictatorship of religion, whereas Marx is a dictatorship right. of of economics and class uh, and politics. So you got two dictatorship philosophies: one religious and one you know atheist. But they combine together because they want the same thing: dictatorship. So so how does his 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 Muslim background? figure into this because i know he supported remember he supported the muslim brotherhood in egypt which egypt egyptians threw out and right. I think they killed them you know so uh so he's got a strong muslim background why do you think the bomb he wants the bomb for iran so they'll blow up israel pretty obvious so his why do you think he i think he ordered the surrender um to brandon in afghanistan so the muslims would get 85 billion dollars worth of our best uh, arms from the military that's not an accident that was a surrender that was a purposeful surrender oh, to give them all the arms. Oh, absolutely, that that's food for even the you know every everyone involved in that should be uh, and I wouldn't say court martialed, but you know every one of them should be held, tried, and and mm-hmm. pretty much um, held in Gitmo or or, or or whatever the punishment is for treason because that you know that was definitely a treasonous act. You purposely left that equipment over there for the country that we fought. And other countries, because I'm sure a lot of that equipment have been sold, have been, you know, given away to these other countries, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, to boister up their defenses. And, and you did that on purpose. No one in their right mind would leave equipment, just abandoned equipment, that that much equipment, that many billions of dollars of equipment to the enemy. Who would do that? Who who would do that? Traitors. Someone that, Traitors. you know, that's a traitor <laughs> to this country. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's the only possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's see if we can tie, uh, seeing as these two are so similar, have you found any connection between Obama and Swami? No, no. I have not found a connection with that. I mean, you know, both of them are Wall Street guys. Obama was a Wall Street guy. You know, right. I mean, if you look at what he did, he did a, he, he did everything for Wall Street. He He was the 
the Wall Street dream. You know, Obama didn't do anything for, quote, unquote, black people or poor people. He did everything in his power for the LGBTQ and Wall Street. Yeah, so, so he was a community you know, organizer. Um, so, again, he, no finance degree, no uh-huh. finance experience, running <laughs> Wall Street uh, things. So it's, it's amazing how these people are, are uniquely unqualified for everything they've been able to do and be successful at it. See, this is the weird part, is they've made millions upon millions of dollars with things that they knew nothing about. It's just kind of, kind of weird, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, you, you're strange. right. Exactly. You tend not to do that, you know, in this world, you know. So who's guiding you? You know, like say, look back at uh, Ramaswamy. Okay, you see, he has a Soros connection. You know, he has a CCP. He has hedge funds connection. So, so as a young guy, so you know, that's the thing. Who did his parents know? Who did his mm-hmm. parents know? And you know, that's one of the things I things I have not. That I hope people listening to this will actually go and dig. And, you know, I think mm-hmm. you, you know, if we look at who his parents were and how his parents came over here. And if they were legal, if they were here on visas, if they mm-hmm. were here the legal way, you know, um, who, who, who they are, who did they know? Did they join the American communist, for experience. example? Did they uh, do anything like that? Did they march for civil rights as Indians? Cause they would have been here in, nah. were they here in the sixties? Just curious. Just curious. <laughs> well, I'm sure I'm yeah. sure he didn't march for civil rights though. So. Now, you didn't see too many um, immigrants, really. You know, you didn't really see a lot of immigrants march for civil rights, you know, to be honest. And, 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 They're just and, happy to be here. And, you know, here's why. <laughs> you know, and here's why. Here's why. Even, you know, even with the Africans that's coming over here now, right, um, mm-hmm. when you see a, a an American black person, you know, that was born here, right, mm-hmm. and you see a – African that immigrated or illegally came into the country, you know, from one of these African states, mm-hmm. the mentality is, is totally different. You know, the mentality is totally different because then I asked this black guy from Africa, I'm like, look, man, why, how can you guys come over here? Because you look at these guys, they come over here, they hustle, and then they become businessmen, they drive Ubers or whatever, right? They come in and, and they be successful. I'm like, how are you able to come over and be successful when black people that live here can't be successful, right? He said, we don't have mm-hmm. that slave mentality. Yeah. He said, we don't have that yeah, slave it, mentality. It, it, he said, Americans so are still living on that slave, slave mentality to where yep. people from Africa, we didn't deal with that, you know? We didn't deal with being slaves in Africa. And truly, the African continent, really, I guess, you know, we're not, you know, of course, there's slavery everywhere. But when you look at the whole mentality, you know, a lot of black people in America are so hung up on this slave mentality and, and, you know, what happened 400 years ago and everything where, Mm -hmm. you know, they pretty much restrict themselves to that. And, you know, and they believe that, right, to where these Africans, they didn't grow up with this you know, socioeconomic, you know, slave mentality. So they come up, all they know is grind and hustle, right? Because they got to eat, you know? You know, they've got to grind and hustle over there or, or, or they're not going to eat. So when they come over here, you know, they see the grind and hustle is a whole lot easier here yeah. than it is yeah. over in Africa, you know? So, uh, so so they don't buy into that. You know, they don't buy into that mentality. And that's why a lot of them might come over here and, and uh, you know, and do what they do and are successful. Well, you know, what's interesting is if you're a black person in Africa, you can't say, well, I'm black. I mean, I deserve a free education. I'm black. I deserve, you know, this because everybody's black. <laughs> you know, it kind of changes, well, his, changes his, your perspective. Right? Thing, they don't even say black. They don't even say black. I've been to Africa, you know, a few times. Okay. They don't call themselves black. You know what they call themselves? 
uh, African or or whatever country they're in. Well, Pianchi's talked about this a bunch of times because Pianchi's yeah. background is Nigerian. Yeah. And so he talks about Nigerians okay. in this country that do very well. Right, I'm Nigerian. And so, I mean, yeah, Pianchi's born Nigerian. here, but... They don't say I'm black. I'm Nigerian. No. Right. Yeah. And there, there are even ethnic groups within these countries. So there's a national identity, and then there's an ethnic identity or maybe even a religious identity. You know, so people... You know, if you're mm-hmm. an entire continent of, of mostly black people, saying you're black is kind of stupid. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's kind of weird. Exactly. That's like saying you're you're Asian in Japan. <laughs> you know, everybody is. <laughs> right. Right. Well, here it you is. Know? Here's the contrast that I always use, right, that I uh-huh. always use. And this is why I never use the term African-American. I never call myself African-American. I don't use African-American. And here it is. Yeah. What does a – if you're in South Africa, what does um, a, a white South African call themselves? They call themselves well, South African. Yeah. What does a black, a black person, a dark-skinned person in South Africa call themselves? They call themselves yeah. South African, right? right? So a white person from South Africa can can literally come here and be African American because they truly are from Africa, right? I'm no, they're actually African American. Yeah, I can't. African. I can't. <laughs> they're actually African African American. Right. right. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, so well, you, you know, you know who you're talking about. about. You know who you're talking about, right? You're uh-huh. talking about Elon. You're talking about Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. He's from South Elon Africa. Musk, right, right. Yeah. Right. So he's, he's African American. Right. He's, he's African American. He, he's he's truly African American. Right. You know, he truly. And that's what I did. Uh, you know, when he bought tw- Twitter, when he bought Twitter, and I made a post, I said Twitter is now owned by a real African American. <laughs> <laughs> well, we you know we need to break this whole cycle, um, and I'm not sure uh, because so many people are making money off it. You know, I've said this before on the show that the greatest racism in this country is Democrat-controlled cities where Black Americans have substandard housing, substandard education, substandard economic opportunities. It's a gulag or, or it's a plantation, you know, however you want to call it. Right. It is engineered to create a permanent victim class that the Democrat Party can use. And the sad part is you've got a lot of black politicians, mayors, city council people, things like that, that are in charge of this, that are actually doing it. It's like Jewish concentration camp guards, you know, during the Holocaust. Uh, they, right, would, right, they, would pick, right. they would pick Jews that would be loyal to, to the Nazis. Yeah, and I call them the life. Yeah, the overseers, exactly, the overseers. So you've got black overseers of the Democrat plantation. That's got to stop. You know, or we're never going to get anywhere. Absolutely has to. You know, and this right. is this is right. critical. You know, that's but, why I say you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. Well, it's just that that's the people think of racism. You know, they always think of you know us white guys, you know, putting everybody else down, white supremacy, white privilege, and all this kind of nonsense. Um, but the truth is that the great racism is is black Democrats upon other black Americans. You know, look at Chicago. Nobody cares that these gangs are killing huge amounts of people. Well, people do right. care, but not right. the people who can do anything about it, you know. And so we've got this crisis in this country, and now we've got 15. Well, here's a question for you, too. This will be interesting. Um, I'll have to go at the top of the hour because I do have uh, – CJ's got her report, and she's got a guest. But what does it mean to black Americans to have 15 million illegals come in to take places in schools, to take jobs, to get privileges, to get free college, to get all these other things. You know, it, it's, it's not like it's bad. It's bad enough already with the victim mentality and the, the substandard conditions that Democrats have put black Americans in uh, in the cities. And now you've got 15 million eagles. 
This is the recipe well, for a, black a disaster. Well, trying to speak up against that. They, right. And well, you know, it is a disaster, you know, and, and when people talk about it, they want to call them racist, but that's a huge thing because they put them in these mm-hmm. black communities. So what? We have to compete for the same resources, right? And, so, and, and they're giving them an advantage at, you know, at this point. So black people, you know, I saw in Chicago, they're actually starting to speak out because they're housing these immigrants into a, an abandoned school that they weren't using for any homeless or any people in, in Chicago, but now they're doing it for these illegals, and the black people are starting to see this and starting to speak out. But what you won't see it a lot, you won't see it on the news a lot, because you know, but it's happening, right? You know, mm-hmm. Black people are, are really pissed about this right now, you know, the way they used to co-sign on it. I said, you guys are co-signing you know, on, on our own demise. We have to stop doing that. You know, but like say you have these poverty pimps, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, these overseers that just keep keep these people under control. You know, it's like a Stockholm syndrome; they can't break out. You know, they yeah. they still have this love with the Democrat Party. You know, for some reason, and and all they're doing is is continuing to destroy their lives. And now, with black people being the number three population, where we were number two, we're actually number three population here in the United States now, where the Latinos mm-hmm. have taken over. So who are they going to cater to? Now they're going to cater to these Latinos, and black people are actually going to be put back on the back burner again. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah, but that well, has to stop. And, and, you know, and, you know, it has to stop within the black community. And, and I tell people all the time, look, the only people that's going to save us is, is, is ourselves. We can actually save ourselves. We can actually you know, really become a strong, really, a really, really strong voter block. Not not a voter block, um, you know, just because we're Democrats, but a, stroder, a, a strong voter block economically, because if we really, you know, just set up businesses and we really just, you know, uh, um, catered to, to our own businesses, I mean, we spend more money than anybody. Why not spend money yeah. in our neighborhoods? Why not spend money within our own businesses? Um, and we can easily make it happen you know, to where yep. you know, we can become a force in the nation. But you have these poverty pimps that don't want that. They know that they do that. Because why? Because it's economically sound. It, 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 it's money generating for them. They need to keep, keep the divide out there because they're making money out there. It's profitable for them. We need to take the profit out of racism. Uh, I'm gonna bring, I'll bring Pianchi on for a couple of minutes, and we've got a guest at the top of the hour. So, Pianchi, we should call in earlier, but uh, I, know you're, I know you're busy. So uh, what's your comment? And uh, we'll, we'll get to our other folks in just a little bit. Here. Well, my comment, you know, I heard you make this thing about blacks being solely business-oriented to their own. That just, that's not possible. But i tell you another thing where I see the problem is, and it may not be the sole problem, your people, blacks are not being educated Actually, nobody is. But let's talk about this particular ethnic group. They're not being educated how these politics work. Nobody knows. I, I, they don't understand that your legislature can up front say they support something. But did you ask them would they be willing to do an override session when that governor vetoes? They don't understand that. And that's how many of these politicians get old. They say openly, I support it. But did, you should ask them, well, would you support a veto override session when the governor mm-hmm. vetoes? You don't know something as simple as that. So a lot has to be. And then the big problem is the destruction of the family. And it takes generations to build a family. It has to go right. all the way back down to the end. And you have to go to the beginning, right out the womb to start putting those things in place because when you don't have that family and that contendum is broken, it takes generations to put that back together. 
You're absolutely right. Blacks have fell behind Latinos. They're third. And if there is a fourth, they will be there too. Education. I mean, we talk about that. They're proper education. Get a parent the choice. We're trying to tell parents, give the parent the choice. Yeah, I want to get um, I want to get both of you back because we can do it like a plan of action, and we can uh, make a podcast out of it that we can send around, and let's get some really good good things going here. But what's just last comment? Um, it seems to me, and I've thought about this for a while, that illegal aliens are replacing Black Americans as the victim class of choice of the Democrats. And so this is going to be a huge awakening. All of a sudden, black Americans will find that they're not the ones that get the, the news stories or the features or the, you know, the, the candidates saying we're going to help out or the more welfare, or the, the more money or things like that. It's going to be all going to the illegals. That's going to be a wake up. Call. The thing about the illegal aliens, blacks shouldn't be competing with illegal aliens for positions anyway. They should be way beyond that now. Well, it's People coming from third world countries do not have the astuteness yeah. that a black American should have, and many yeah. don't. Yeah. Okay, let me, let's, let's pick this up in another hour because this would be fascinating. So, Jerome, first of all, thank you for coming back on the show. Uh, any closing comments? Oh, yeah, appreciate um, it. Thank and, you. And, uh, you get your, you get, let's get your podcast and uh, your show on the air. Anything else, any mm-hmm. websites, anything you want to talk about uh, or contact information, then I'm going to get on to uh, CJ and her guest, uh, Inga Savage here. So uh, thank you, sir. Well, appreciate awesome, having you on. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so contact you. information. So anybody, any, anyone yep. listening to this, yeah, they can uh, follow my show. It's live, the Radical Republican Show Live. It's on Sunday nights now. I moved it to Sunday nights, 8 p.m. from Wednesday okay. night. So that's the Radical Republicans Live Show. It's live on Rumble, live on Cloud Hub, live on Getter, and uh, live streamed on Facebook. And you know, and if I'm not suspended, right now I'm suspended for another 50 days. So you can catch me <laughs> on there. You can catch me on there. there. No, I'm on, Twitter at, no, I'm on Twitter yeah. at, a, at, at the J Black Mamba. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Jerome Bell for VA on Getter, on Truth Social, on you know, any, of the, any of the social media sites. So follow me there. Okay. It's been great to have you on, as always. And so you're always welcome. You just let me know or just even call in. I got your number, so uh, it won't be hard to find. <laughs> yeah, right. Thank you, yeah. sir. <laughs> yeah, no, when, more, you know, when a, another interesting topic comes up, I appreciate it. Oh, Thanks, yeah. man. Bye-bye. Oh, you're very welcome. And I'm happy to come on your show. Well, Sundays are kind of tough because that's the only day I have, like, a regular job. All right. So I've got a new theme for CJ. I've kind of got uh, an, an old dialogue that I absolutely love with new music. So, CJ, tell me what you think of this. What is health? What does it take to stay healthy? We have a longer lifespan than 100 years ago. But is the quality of life any better? A hundred years ago, their food was better. They got more exercise. They weren't as fat. They didn't have preservatives, antidepressants, sugar in everything. And they didn't have vaccines. If you talk about alternative health care, people think of crystals, incense, strange candles, Ouija boards, notions, potions, lotions, and total hippies telling you to detox, man. So let's change our system of sick care into wellness. Let's get healthy. Let's lower our stress, stop taking in poisons, eat and drink organic, clean food. And let's have a chat with CJ, because this is CJ's Wellness Watch on Action Radio. You like your new theme? What do you think? CJ? Hello, CJ. Did I do the wrong line? Let's try this one. I think this is our guest. Is this Inga Savage? Yeah, can you hear me? 
Okay, now we got both of you, unless you guys are both on the same line or something. So, CJ. No, we're not. <laughs> I okay, loved good. it. It was really good. Okay, good. So we'll play that before your show every uh, week. So so just letting you know, I do um, each reporter, if they've been here for a little bit, I kind of get an idea what's going on, gets a report. But I, I made up this one for a previous or a health reporter, and I liked it so much, I kept it, but I changed the music. So so it's still individually yours, CJ. So that's the, that's your new theme, and that will get us going here. So, yeah, how you been? Okay. And uh, tell me about your guest, and let's get uh, let's get going here. Okay. Yeah, I will. I've been pretty good since it's been a morning over here, though. It's been a very trying morning over here. I'm going out town tomorrow, and I've already had two disasters this morning. So, but oh. it's all good. That's okay. Oh, I muted yeah, myself yeah. for a little while, and uh, and you know, I mean, it was one of those, it, it's, it's been crazy. I had so much to do. I thought I was going to do a report on the uh, the whistleblower hearing, and I ended up uh, contacting Jerome Bell, and we decided to uh, find out all the uh, Ramaswamy problems. <laughs> so we've been doing that all morning. So it's uh, he's not who he's yeah. who everybody who he pretends to be. But uh, enough of politics. Let's get into health. That's why I like uh, changing the topics yeah. around. So who'd you bring with yeah, you? Yeah, well, I'll introduce. Yeah, um, so I have um, Inga Savage on the phone with mm-hmm. me. And I have I met her, and I think it was maybe almost two years ago, and we just mm-hmm. met through the Podcaster Truther World Patriot Movement um, through an acquaintance of an acquaintance, and we've, we've just been in touch. She's been very helpful to myself and many of my viewers and listeners on my podcast, many friends and family members, with helping them with well care with sick care during a time of which it was very challenging to get the appropriate care and so she has been we've never met and our goal is to meet in the very near future hopefully this this year um but she has been a tremendous blessing to my community of viewers and listeners and you know personally to my friends and family um you know over the over the past two years and her her transitioning with not only ha- helping those who are in need with a sickness and whatnot, she does well care as well, and she's just opened up a clinic doing a lot of different IV therapies and blood chelation and all of those amazing things. And so I thought it would be wonderful because we've had that brief conversation before on the show, um, right. you know, with cleaning up the blood and doing different therapies of which I have some knowledge of and I've had you know, like vitamin drips and IV therapies and stuff, stuff like that before. Um, mm-hmm. But outside of the basic scope of just vitamin therapy, I have not done much, but it's been very intriguing for me to learn about it, not only for myself, but to educate others to see if, you know, this is something that would be of an option to them. And I know Inga is very sensitive to the fact of one of the topics that's unfortunately it's an issue, right? So any alternative therapies are corrupt insurance because it's all government-based and, you know, they only want you to do stuff that's going to make you sick. Um, it usually, and I know Inga will crush me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but they will not cover alternative treatments, IV therapies, and things like that that I am aware of. So um, what she and her staff do with where they are, again, they are very sensitive to that. So they do have pricing. You do pay out of pocket. But I know that, you know, their goal is not only she has to make a living and make money, but is to help anybody in need. So she's very willing to negotiate, accommodate, and just help help somebody that, that needs help. So I thought it would be a great idea to have her on to kind of explain 
some of the different therapies and blood cleaning up things that they are doing and that people okay. are asking to, for and looking for. Well, let's bring so us here a round of applause, head. first of all. There you go. So from what CJ was saying, blood cleaning. Okay, I want to hear the story. Now, now you got me really curious. So uh, so this is interesting. So enter and sign in, please, and tell me uh, about your clinic. And uh, let's, let's start with blood cleaning. What's that? Well, that's a really good question. You know, well, thank I, you. I, asked, I, I asked myself that question for a really long time. I, uh-huh. you know, started studying alchemy, you know, which is a very interesting term that is often used by a lot of people for different reasons Let's to define describe it. different, different well, alchemy things. traditionally is what? Well, a lot of people think it's the transmutation of something into gold, right? Like these crazy wizards who practiced in like, you know, the turn of each century that were often killed for foolishly claiming that they could make gold. And, you know, it was very... I thought lead. Wasn't wasn't lead the traditional? Yeah, yeah, they turned lead into gold. And so, Uh you know, and a lot of them were killed or, you know, Actually, they were liars. They were frauds. Yeah, they were liars. (laughs) They were frauds. They didn't know what they were talking about. But Uh the thing that was so intriguing to me in reading some Uh of these ancient texts was that they were all obsessed with their blood. And I I remember like, now I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious. This is interesting. You know? Uh huh. Yeah. Let me ask you you uh, an off the wall question as we're going here. I've always been fascinated by this idea of leeches. That uh, somehow these people think if we if we take blood out of somebody, which weakens them, right? Uh, and that these leeches are going to know which blood is bad, which blood is good. They're going to take out the bad blood, leave the good blood, and this is somehow a scientific theory. And this wasn't that long in the 1800s that this was still a yeah, practice. It's actually still leech therapy is still used today. So, but that's you know, for I'm injuries, terrified. right? It's for oh, certain. Wow. I've, never even heard of, I've never heard of leech therapy. I don't even know what that oh, is. Well, <laughs> let's let's go there. Well, leech therapy is is literally when you take a leech and you put it on an infected area or an area that is necrosed or doesn't have good blood flow and might have an infection. And what happens is, is the leeches want to get to blood. So they start sucking. And literally what we would do is put a leech on something. I've done this myself, like two patients, where you put a leech on someone and then it sucks at the area. And while it's sucking, yes, it does remove bacteria and stuff that's in there. And we also did maggot therapy. But um, anyway, you would just keep Okay, You better, you better describe that. Because <laughs> people uh, are having really breakfast good. still, but let's, let's hear. <laughs> you started <laughs> it. Really okay, but, go ahead. But you do. You put the leeches on, and then as uh-huh. they fill up, you would swap new leeches for it. And the goal would oh. be to bring, you know, new blood supply to the area and hopefully remove infections. And maggots actually also remove infections from areas. So that's another therapy where, the, like, purposefully they would put maggots on wounds. I used I to saw see that. Where... I saw that um, gladiator. Remember gladiator? Uh, Russell Crowe? Yeah. And he gets injured by uh, by his uh, his sword, his gladius, you know, with the centurion guard. And then uh, one of the other the combatants, the slaves, says, "Don't touch, you know, the, let them work." You know, it's really great. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, so this mega well, they do. And, and so, okay. you know, and what's really interesting is not to go into too many bunny rabbit holes, but is that the power is really in the blood, and we're seeing that even now in society where the war was for the blood. 
So what is you know, blood? Look at, I mean, let me let me ask you a really obvious dumb question. Base, right? What is blood? And I, it's you know it is a basic question, but blood is life. It's where our life force energy is contained, which gets into like you know all the woo woo medicines around chi and chakras and mm-hmm. you know energy medicine, but also it, it's you know. It's life force. It's our DNA. It's the genetic makeup of who we are, and it's the individual unique imprint that each one of us has. So blood has, you know, enormous capacity to carry things to different lineages. You know, like we're constantly, you know, looking at blood as a vessel, right, that Mm -hmm. transports things. But is it like something that you know, a lot of people are talking now about, like, is is the heart a pump or is it a vortex? Is blood, like, something What's that the difference? is... Well, there's a huge difference. And the difference lies in, the power, in the, <laughs> the, the, the power in the blood. So a lot of people thought that the blood was just a pump, that we work with isovolumetric pressures that come in from the top of the heart mm-hmm. and then get pumped out. But right. is that really the case or is it a vortex? Is it more of a theory of, you know, like cosmic energy in which it's being pulled, pulled into this, you know, Schal- like Schalberger's vortex theories where we're creating kind of like a, a like a, even like a black hole where the black hole pulls energy in from the cosmos and then pushes uh-huh. it out into like stars and galaxy formations, right? Well, our body is kind of very similar to that and has a lot of, you know, really powerful energy behind it that actually, you know, creates organ systems and grows and decomposes and does a lot of things. So when we look at blood and the war that is on the blood right now with with all the vaccine, you know, things that are happening in the world and the transmutation of blood that's happening and What's what that? people are, well, you know, there's a lot of theory that, you know, transhumanism or going through our food with messenger RNA is trying to change humanity into something different. So then the war would be for the blood, right? If we're trying to alter DNA in a way that, you know, is unethical, like from where we've been um, right. to something different than there, you know, now we get into Harry Potter, pure blood, like it, how, you know, why is that oh, even pure a thought? That, that kind of has been around know, since, like, uh, since Genghis blood? Khan and the Mongols, you know, or way back when it's yeah. like, you know, if you're not Mongol, we're, we're going to lop your head off, you know? So <laughs> let me ask uh, a question here. Is the, I mean, you the hear a lot that, of that concept, you know, you hear a lot of that concept. You think, Oh, it's a, He's a pure blood. He's a pure blood. You know. I mean, take it for whatever. Well, they do that with dog breeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what Marcos does that even mean? And yeah, you know, why well, is our it's so discrimination. Important? I mean, like you know. Well, it is. It, it can be. It can be a form of discrimination, but it could also be a source of you know extreme sickness too. Like you know, I I was having this kind of like epiphany the other day. I was mm-hmm. talking with this incredible doctor who's one of the most brilliant minds, I think, in the world. And um, Who's that? You know, we have some 
Well, I, I, I can't disclose his name, but we have some really interesting oh, relationships with people that are just cutting edge. But he mm-hmm. was saying to me that, you know, we were talking about autism and, you know, like a lot of people were really resistant to accepting the fact that vaccines might be, you know, interlinked with, you know, autism. But what he said to me was really profound. You know, we see such like an, an increase in gut issues, right? Our microbiome, mm-hmm. like the, the seed of all like, you know, physical health. And he was saying how a lot of people who um, have vaccine injuries, uh, you know, had displacement in the gut. So measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine actually binds to receptors in the gut and um, causes, you know, significant health issues in people, which then pose as, you know, autism. And how if you can, you know, well, displace that that Have you binding. established a connection? Have you established a mechanism? What is it about certain vaccines? What do they do in the body? Because well, autism is a mental condition. So if you're talking about a physical reaction from a vaccine, there's not, there's not really a vaccine. What's the mechanism? How does, how does a physical reaction come out as making people, you know, socially, I guess, withdrawn or, you know, communicating at an entirely different level and having all kinds of mental processes that work so differently? How does that happen from a, from a physical injection of, of chemicals and who well, knows what else? So let's say you take the MMR vaccine. Okay? okay, because that's mm-hmm. what we're told that we should be doing. Measles, right? it's just mumps, we're told, rubella. Measles, right. mumps, rubella. And we just don't fight it because we think, oh, we're supposed to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, that displaces your regular microbiome, binds to a receptor in the gut. And then all of a sudden, because there's a gut-brain connection, which everybody knows, right? You can Google gut-brain connection. And there's so much information. CJ wants to get in on this, and then I got a question on it too. CJ? No, I just said that's one of the, you know, most important connections you can have. Almost everything starts in, in, in the gut. It goes back to that, and you and I have talked about this on the show, when people say no, they have. have a gut feel. Like, trust your gut, right? So it's, right. it's very right. true. We do. We say that, trust your gut. We say, like, a lot of those things. And so there is a connection. And I okay. was, you know, I was having a, um, a conversation with this uh, particular physician and what he said to me was just profound. He was like, yeah, he's like, you know, one of the things that you can do is take turmeric. Now there's like this big like thing about turmeric for inflammation. So people uh-huh. start taking turmeric, but if you did turmeric like in an IV form, which I've done on myself, I had this interesting reaction. So I did a lot of turmeric and an IV form. It was curcumin. And all of a sudden, and, and there's a rare, you know, rare chance because of Danish descent that you could have a reaction to it in an IV form. Well, I have to Danish, be, you know, Danish and Norwegian. And so wow. I was one of the one in like a pure blood people who had this reaction. <laughs> of pure blood. And so my hands broke out in a Palmer rash. Eight hours later, and I started getting a systemic reaction, and it dawned on me later, oh, I had the MMR vaccine as a nurse like five times in one month because my titers were low, and they said I needed this to work with pediatric population. Five in times order in a month? Care. You had five yeah, vaccines? Ne- oh, yeah, in one month because they kept doing no titers on me every week, and What's I got 
What's a titer? A titer is when, when they do like a blood test to see if you have antibodies. So not only did I get the antibodies, but I got measles, mumps, and rubella at the age of like 20-something from a vaccine and then had gut issues the rest of my life, which then led me to have autoimmune issues and then, you know, lead me down this train to, to get into working with people's blood and doing right. cleansing on my own blood. So, you know, in the process of doing that, I displaced the measles, mumps, rubella vaccine that had attached in my gut biome and had this reaction. Well, how, is it, how long does it last? Is, how long does it stay in well, your system? It didn't last me, it was a couple hours. But what happened was okay. it not only did it detach, but then what happened was my body started to get rid of it in my blood. And the way that looked was a histamine response. So, you know, our blood really is so valuable and our body really is so valuable in its innate ability to do what it does. Our body knows what to do and wants to do it. <laughs> so, so let me ask a question then. So does if um, to your body, to your immune system, does a, what I would call a vaccine poisoning, all these new chemicals, aluminum, adjuvants, all this stuff that's thrown in there. Um, does that look to your body as much of an invader as say the COVID virus, a flu bug naturally occurring, uh, a man-made yeah. COVID virus? Is it, does it all look the same to your body? as just an invasion, an invader. It is. It is an invader. And then, and then how our body, you know, how it, it will either shut down and override our body's mechanisms or push our body to have a different response or whatever, you know, our bodies really, you know, want to respond. But a lot of times people will come to me and say something like, well, I think I should just try to suppress my body's immune system. And I'm like, that's not what you want. No, you don't want to do that. That's like so, the worst thing. Yeah. Okay. But if you have, yeah. uh, I had the MMR vaccine as a child because I was five and I didn't know any better. Right. And of course I'm giving it the friendly doctor who smoked. Actually, it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, gave me a shot and I promptly got uh, mumps like a year later. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I thought was interesting. I thought, oh, you know, so obviously this doesn't work. So I, I've never been a big fan of vaccines ever since. And I think I stopped taking them as a teenager. I just said, no, no, I think I had one tetanus shot. You know, I had one at 10. I think I had my last one at 20. Every 10 years supposed to have my last time I got, I said, I'm not doing this ever again. I said, there's something wrong. I didn't know what was wrong. This is back in 1980, right? I knew something was wrong. But, uh, and then of course we had the vaccine uh, scare and the Gulf War syndrome in the late eighties. And of course I've already, I'm already against them. My kid didn't get, only got uh, the traditional MMR DPT and that was it until they gave her illegally uh, a hepatitis B vaccine. I said, you people are nuts. I told you not to do that. We're out of here. So we left uh, Kaiser Permanente on that one. Um, But uh, I've had very few. My kids had almost none. Uh, And she's great. She's happy. She's a healthy adult. Um, But can you you get rid of those things? Because your body have an immune response to vaccines. CJ, I want to get you in a second here. Um, But can you, does your body cure your vaccine toxicity? And just basically get rid of them and neutralize them. That's my question. Yeah. I I mean, I think your body has the innate ability to do that. And I think you can support your body in doing that by taking out certain things and cleaning. And, you know, that goes back to, like, some of the new technology that's coming out and actually isn't so new. You know, like, we we use a polychromatic device that uses, you know, well, it's a light device. So it uses forms of light spectroscopy, you know, and so what we're seeing in this new age of medicine is 
the use of light, magnetism, polarity, vibration, and sound, which really goes back to like what ancient Egyptians actually used to use to heal people, which goes back to alchemy. Like when, when real medicine was being performed back in those days where we can say, oh, well, they were, as, they were primitive, but were they? Actually, they were way more advanced. I mean, we're learning about that even in the, you know, looking at the pyramids and how they were built. You know, there is a theory that it was built by sound, you know. So if, you know, sound and vibration and polarity, magnetism and light can all play a part in our healing, then why are we not using them? Why do we only see the human body as a chemical being? I am not a chemical being. I'm not. That is just not true. I mean, there is part of me that works with chemicals. I have, you know, voltage-gated channels and calcium channels and this channel and that channel, and we have peptide channels and protein channels or whatever. You know, cellular biology is, is an amazing, amazing discovery, right? Like when we look at the human body and we can look at the chemical part of our body, but there is an electrical component to our body, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody that says, yep. what do you mean? I would say, <laughs> have you looked at the heart? Like, it's an electrical conducting system along with a vortex system, right? So if we're looking at things from an energetic perspective, there's more than just chemicals. But yet we have been told and we have been taught to only look at our body as chemical beings. And I've been one of those people who have just always questioned that. I've always said, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Why? Why? Yeah, exactly. Why do we only see one part of it? Like, why are we not looking at the Well, that's whole? what people are told to see. And, yeah. It's conditioning. A lot of it comes down. You take vaccines because you're conditioned. I mean, so much of what happens is conditioning. I want to get CJ in here because I know she has a question. CJ, what's, what's uh, on your mind? No, I was just going to make a comment to what we were discussing um, before about the whole vaccine thing. You know, um, as I've shared before, you know, I think part of my autoimmune challenge from my my childhood of having vaccines because my parents did not know any better. And what kind of stinks is that I came from a family of quote unquote medical professionals, right? They didn't know what they didn't know. So my, my mom being a nurse and retired when she really, really didn't work when she married my dad, my, my dad was a surgeon. And so, um, you know, back in the day, it was like, they didn't know what they didn't know. So my brother and I had all the vaccines, had this, had that, you know, and I was quite sick as a child. You know, I was quite, quite ill. And, it, you know, it wasn't until quite later, you know, I would say maybe even 10 years ago, you know, and with homeschooling my children and just making different choices that um, because of the, you know, arena that I chose to go into in, in life and the profession I decided to, to go into, I decided that, you know, no, we're not going to do this anymore. So Yeah, I stopped about 40 know, years ago. It's kind of interesting. But, yeah, I just, again, I don't, I don't like to do things that don't make sense. Um, but well, I really and would love you know, yeah. it, it is about, about questioning, right? Like questioning why yeah. why we're doing these things. Like, and, and what what else could we be doing? And so, you know, I kind of put it out there to the universe. Like when I was in a nurse, you know, I would start to sense and feel things differently with my patients that most people maybe never questioned. You know, I would see things and, you know, 
before they would happen. And I would say, I don't, this is not feeling right to me. And so, you know, I got out of nursing. I, I went and had a family and then decided I was done. My husband's right. a, um, a physician. He's an osteopathy doctor. And mm-hmm. so when everything started happening in the world and I, I felt like something was innately very wrong, I said to my husband, we, we can't sit back and do nothing. And, you know, he wasn't doing nothing. He was working at a hospital, you know, um, trying to bring more alternative practices into his hospital and be a, a different voice. And so we decided to open up our own clinic and um, help people and in alternative ways. And we started working with um, a, d- a different company using these uh, oxidative therapy machines, which a lot of people are learning about the EBO machines, which are kind of like a kidney dialysis machine where you filter out your blood. We don't actually use a filter with ours. We only use light. Um, we use six forms of light. We do UVA and UVC. We do infrared, blue, green, and amber. And each light, without getting too technical, works on different um, aspects of the body, whether it be um, exposing your blood to, you know, UVA and UVC light and helping kill uh, bacteria and viruses or infrared, which is a photodynamic property, which activates things. And like, if you watch Limitless, I love that show. Actually, I don't watch a lot of TV, but the guy who was, I don't know, some, somebody who was really famous, who was from Australia, who played like some superhero, they hired him for National Geographic. Oh, the guy did Thor? <laughs> what was his name? Yeah, yeah. Thor. Hel- Helmsworth yeah, or something so, like that? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and he does all these challenges, you know, to push his body. And, you know, I just loved it because one of the things I really valued about it was, you know, how we've lived in our comfort and, like, what it means to do, like, a cold plunge or plunge or cryotherapy. And we used to do something similar to cryotherapy, like, when we had, like, brain injuries, we would do hypothermic therapy where we would purposefully cool down someone's body to, like, sub-degree temperatures to preserve organ functioning and stuff like that. You know, th- this is, like, real. Like, we've gotten so complacent and comfortable <laughs> as a society that, you know, we live in glass houses. And so, and like all the like antibacterial and antiviral stuff, like our bodies are actually not meant to live at constant temperatures with no, you know, quote unquote, like germs. And, you know, even germ theory is starting to be questioned. So I think all these things are what needs to happen to humanity, for humanity to wake up and us to say like, wait a minute, like we've been sold a line of bull you know like that's yeah you can you can say the whole thing I, i'm i'm getting more tolerant yeah. on my show um but it is well, let me ask you a question I... <laughs> yeah it's uh, it, it, i i have what i call the the tour guide theory of immunity um when i was in san francisco um my last job i spent eight years as a tour guide and i was driving ducks and i drove motorized cable cars and i would give tours to san francisco i literally met people from all over the world well maybe not a lot you know, Arctic or the Antarctic, but pretty much everywhere else. Every country in the world at some point came by. So I was exposed to people from all over the world. So I figure I have the, one of the world's best immune systems because, you know, I'm, I'm shaking the hands of everybody and I'm talking to them or up close and we're, you know, going around San Francisco. And of course, there's millions of people in San Francisco from everywhere too. So just through exposure alone, <coughs> excuse me, I think I have a fabulous immune system. So when COVID came along, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is no big deal. It's flu bug. 
you know, I said I've already been exposed to everything that's out there, you know, and I figured this was man-made, but let's just take it in stride and see what happens. So I got sick for a couple of days, you know, took a couple of days off work, you know, three days later after, you know, mild rest and mild activity, I'm fine. Never wore a mask, never, of course, took a shot uh, because I, I didn't trust anything these people had. Like I said, I hadn't taken a shot really in 40 years. Um, and so uh, for me, I said, I've already got an immune system. Why do I have to worry about this stuff? And yet I'm one voice in, and CJ was another voice. You're probably another voice. And there's a few of us out there. And I got to know Dr. Judy Mikovits, you know, speaking of uh, strong voices out there. She's been on the show a lot. And so she confirmed basically everything that I had thought that your immune system, if you use it, you know, like your brain, if you use it, you know, it's, it should be in pretty good shape. And I know I used it um, as a tour guide. What do you think? Right. I, I mean, I agree with that. I, I agree with that completely. Okay. I mean, but no, you know, the other thing is nobody really talks about like, well, if you're choosing to let, you know, people are like, uh, uh, this is like the argument that I, re- that I really love getting into with people <laughs> is like, well, you're a threat to someone else. I'm like, really? Am I? <laughs> okay. Let's take my children who have not been va- vaccinated. Okay. Cause my kids mm-hmm. have not been vaccinated at all. I took them How to doing? India. How they're they doing, doing by fucking the way. great. I mean, it, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, right. yeah. I mean, it just goes out of my mouth. They're not That's only okay. great, they're better. They're better than most kids. I would mm-hmm. say they don't have any allergies. They mm-hmm. don't, you know, they barely ever get sick. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, you know, my kids don't have asthma. Oh, by the way, like, you know, look at, like, case studies who show, like, kids who've been vaccinated and the incident of asthma in children you know, quadrupled. Mm-hmm. Like those are actual studies that you can go look up. So, oh yeah, you well, know, we have a control why? group. You know, the Amish. The, the Amish don't get sick. They don't have allergies. They don't have asthma. The Amish don't have right. Uh, right. injections of that. You know, and uh, like I say, well, well, how many people have actually caught diphtheria in the last year, or or uh, tetanus, or rubella, right? Or well, and or, why are we these vaccines? Like, why, why does yeah. nobody question them? And here's the other thing. We do. If we're yeah. so worried, if we're uh-huh. so worried, then why don't we get our children titered? Like, nobody even talks about that. Like, did you know that you can go and just yeah. get a titer mm-hmm. to see where your kids are at? So, like, mm-hmm. what I, I tell people I, when they ask me, are you for or against vaccines? I say, listen, if you're so worried about it, don't vaccinate your kids. And if you're so worried about it, when they're like 16 years old, go and get a titer and see what they have where natural you, immunity to. Inga, where can you get that, the titer? So you just ask your doctor or your pediatrician to order some labs. The kids go and get a lab test, and they look for their titers to see where they're at in their natural immunity. How do you spell that? T-I-T-E-R, titer, just a titer. I think and so that's it's, an immu- it's basically an know. immunity check? Oh, it's an immunity immunity check. Okay, so here's wow. my question. So like, if you wanted to see if you had MMR, you would mm-hmm. just get a titer for MMR to see where your immunity is. But most likely, so, you've been exposed. Why? Oh, okay. We don't believe in shedding, but if I actually go and take my kids to someone, if they've been around someone who's had MMR and they've developed natural immunity, they're going to have appropriate titers. Their levels so will be shouldn't, to combat it. Shouldn't this be? See, here's the thing I never understood about COVID. I asked a lot of people. I said, um, so well, I got the shot. You know, I'm healthy now. Okay, great. Did you get checked for COVID immunity before you got the shot? Oh, no. Well, then why, why, would, why would you get a shot if you haven't checked for immunity first? And this is a bit one of the big questions I had this starting back in 2020. So the same thing here. Why isn't it required medically 
um, by doctors that they do age higher before anybody's given a shot. Why would you do? Well, why, why wouldn't you do that? I mean, that's a really great question. And why aren't we asking that question? I mean, well, for me, medicine is all about why we're not asking the right questions. Like, yeah. is there another way? Is there another idea? And why aren't we even talking about other ideas, right? Like, you know, I have a girlfriend going to get her um, amalgams taken out, her, her mercury fillings. And, yep. you know, they're doing all Gotta these wonderful those. things. But what they're what they're giving her is a vitamin C drip before. And then she's coming to me to do chelation therapy, to do blood treating. Mm. So, you know, why don't we talk about these things? And who decided that mercury was a great idea to put in our mouth? Just like we, right? <laughs> yeah. right? Aluminum, we say mercury, silver, yeah, great. idea to put in our water. Like let's yeah. calcify the pineal gland and cut off everybody's access to spirituality by hardening that. Or, you know, I mean, another thing, I mean, this is totally off the subject, but why do we circumcise no, men? Why, why do people sell women's I've been asking glitter? that question <laughs> since, since I realized it was an option. Because you know, they don't give boys options. When they do it, what, two days or whatever it is? You know, obviously, well, if you went parents, to teenage boys. Why are parents, why are well, I asked my parents. I asked my parents. Well, this is just, it was tradition. We, uh, we were told by the doctors, this is what you do, right? And then, so I asked my father, why would you do that to me? Why would you do that to a, a baby? <laughs> you know, you know, because most countries don't do that anymore, right? Except right. so, and that's, uh, where, but, that's where all the nerve endings are in a man. And then we wonder mm, why. Okay, how about so, that? We, we cut, so we chop off all the nerve endings in the, in the tip mm-hmm. of the penis. Then right. we force porn down their throats. Then mm-hmm. we demasculinate them. And then we pour microplastics and chemicals into the environment. And then we wonder why testosterone is on the decline in our men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And then yeah. we, we get all upset because of the the transgender movement, and we, and we say, why are these kids having identity crisis? Well, maybe it's actually real. Maybe the identity crisis is actually real because mm-hmm. we've demasculinated, we've cut the tips of penises off, we've shoved porn down our kids' throats, they have complete access to it, and nobody's doing shit about that. And then Well, the, the, the circumcision has been around for a long, long time. You know, there's been generations of Americans that have been born and obviously, you know, we guys can do it, you know, but, uh, but, and the thing is, you don't know what you've missed. You know, how do you, how, how does a circumcised, you know, guy, you know, imagine what it would be like to be un and how does a you know, guy that's, that's natural, you know, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. Like we were mentioning earlier, well, you start but it's just, a, it's a barbaric, it. it's a barbaric procedure. And the whole thing is, why would you, you know, I remember when, well, here's what I was fascinated by back when, um, Everybody was talking about female genital mutilation and how horrible that was. I said, what about male genital mutilation? You guys, you're circumcising all the boys in this country. I said, why are you doing that? There's no medical reason to do that. So I don't know exactly what you're talking no. about. And now I, with trans. I knew a guy who was, I knew a uh-huh. guy who was from Israel who right. um, was not circumcised. And um, they, he decided to do it because his urologist told him when he was in his late like 40s or 50s. What? And he ended up. He ended up circumcising himself because he, he, they said he would have issues if he didn't. So he did. Do you know he committed suicide years later because he was so distraught because he lost all the sensation with, with intercourse that he was having. And so it was such a mind fuck for wow. him that he, he committed suicide. Wow. So I'm just saying, like, Gee, what this, am I missing? This, uh-huh. is, this is real. I mean, yeah. this is real. Well, the thing is, we don't know what we're missing, but there is a choice to start asking questions. Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Why is the blood such a target for humanity right now? Why? 
Well, what's in blood? Let's let's go over that and then let's go over how you treat it. We got about twenty minutes left, but obviously, I want you back. This is this is fascinating, you know. So because uh, you know a lot of stuff that's uh, and there is no off topic, by the way, on Action Radio. We just wherever we go, we go. <laughs> that's just how it works. Well, here. you know, so, I mean, I just find blood to be really fascinating. Now, I can tell you that I'm a novice in this area. Okay. You know, <laughs> I so what, mean, so when, I, what's in it? We got red blood cells. We got white cells. We've got. Is it basically water? Is it is it salt water? What what is blood? No, I mean it's it's a really powerful, vibrant, life force carrying is blood alive liquid. Is it's it alive? Totally alive. Our blood is okay. totally alive. Okay. Um, you know it. It's sensing. It's feeling just like anything else. And there's so much power in our blood. I mean, it has right. the potential and the capacity to hold energy and frequency and vibration. Like I read an article, it was actually hmm. um, a study, a scientific study that was done on blood that said sound strengthens the blood vessel wall. Like, okay, I mean, let me, let me, uh, this is fascinating to me. First of all, we have an action radio life and health coaching page. You have to join, you have to post articles. This is, this is amazing. I have a theory. <laughs> And I have, as, as I have a, as I have a theory about everything, by the way, um, that rock and roll uh, is good for my health. I know that sounds crazy. I play electric guitar. No, I, I feel the vibrations. Okay, yes. so now this, this, this might be interesting backup. I'm getting really good at. It. I'm 63 years old. I'm playing faster and better than I've ever played in my life. There's no arthritis. There's no. There's nothing of these things that people have, you know, my peers who are getting old and, you know, sitting on the, on the porch, you know, drinking lemonade, like, uh, you know, Joe Biden should be doing. Um, <laughs> but I'm playing hard rock metal in my sixties better than I ever have. Explain that one. Well, I mean, again, it goes back to the ancient Egyptians who okay. basically raised, you know, millions and thousands of pounds of perfectly formed rocks into place where nobody can explain. Why can nobody explain it? Well, mm-hmm. maybe they can't explain it because it's technology that we haven't, that we've lost supposedly, which I don't even believe that, but you know, maybe it's, it's hidden wisdom, but maybe it's not so hidden. Maybe we're just not in tune with ourselves to know that vibration. Like, how many people do you know that can sense or feel vibration in their own body? No, absolutely. But yet we're vibratory <laughs> and magnetic beings. You know, your gut feelings are your vibrations. You know, I, I, you know, I go for bike rides and I can, I can sense the air and, and it's almost like taste the air. And just saying, I'm, all, I'm like totally, you know, I, I, don't, I don't see my body as an isolated thing. It's connected to the environment in every possible way. So the you know the air flows through me, flows back out again. I'm, I'm kind of like a, I don't know, just a, a part of the continuum. That's how I see it. Uh, and the music well, is the same I mean, thing. I, and uh, you know, I feel I literally I feel it vibrates. I think that's why rock and roll, why rock music is so powerful because you feel it. It also gets rid of cockroaches, by the way. Bugs don't like it. So I uh, I don't have to to fumigate my place. I just play music every day, and there's no bugs in here. It's great. It's amazing. <laughs> just so anecdotal. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's, True. I, I didn't think my playing was that, that is, bad, but the, the the cockroaches don't like my music. That's probably a good thing. <clears throat> Sorry. That's a wonderful thing. You should come down here. I'm actually staying in a hotel in Myrtle Beach right now because my son is going to a camp down here. And mm-hmm. um, you got bugs? There are cockroaches everywhere. Oh my Play god! Play music. It's 
just just get get a boombox. No, see, leave a boombox in your kitchen <laughs> and just turn it up full. Just warn your neighbors to look. Just tell the hostess, look, I'm gonna try try an experiment here. Play five minutes of of like acid rock, you know, Van Halen, really, you know, Metallica. See 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 which group gets rid of the bugs the fastest. Play some Metallica, <clears throat> really loud, and see if uh, see if you're you're bug free for a while. That would be awesome. that's an awesome experiment to try. Which, you know, I mean, I, I, I really believe that vibration and sound and light are key, key components to health. So we have a frequency, right? We have a natural frequency. Do we have, do people have different frequencies? Is it, are we like a tuning fork where the height, where our height uh, makes a difference as to our frequency? Well, yeah. And there's actually okay. been studies. I'm actually reading a book right now um, by a guy uh, that I study with. His name is Robert Barlett. And mm-hmm. this is one of the most amazing books. It's called The Temper of Herbs. And he's talking about um, just, this, just this subject. It's very fascinating. I've been studying it by the poolside while I'm waiting for my kid to get done with camp this week. And mm. it's one of the most fascinating books because I really resonate with what he says in that, you know, there not only are there different frequencies to everything, but there's also um, different ways in which we can treat the body with frequency. So, you know, I tell people, you know, a lot of people look at like shamanism as this like woo-woo witchcraft medicine, but I'm going to tell you there's some potent wisdom in all of it. And the wisdom is, is that like, they call it like the liquid dose, right? Like I could be around prednisone and if I'm having a, you know, a reaction, like, you know, I got COVID. I was pretty sick actually with COVID mm-hmm. because I keep treating people to get the vaccine out of their bodies or to detox them or whatever. And they come to me with COVID. So I've been exposed hundreds of millions of times. It feels like, and um, you know, the first couple of times I got it, I, I was pretty sick. And until I started, you know, really pounding out the treatments on myself, but one day, um, you know, I said to someone, I'm super sensitive to things. Like, I'm actually really sensitive to sight, sound, taste, smell. My husband says I smell into other dimensions, and um, <laughs> I probably do. But I, I, I'm really sensitive, like really sensitive. So I can just take a prednisone tablet and literally lick it. And I'm, prednisone what is, is it? a, um, it's a steroid. And I can like lick it, and I'm better. Like literally within hours. I mean, that's so you don't need that much of it. What what is this? No, what is this? It's called well, steroids a, are like male hormones, aren't they? I mean, isn't that what steroids are? Well, there's different types of steroids. You know, okay. that, yes. I mean, it's not a, it's not a male hormone, but it's a it's it's basically used to help suppress the immune system or the inflammatory response. And one of the okay. things that we discovered with COVID is that you know, and there are studies out there that are showing this right now, is that it impairs mm-hmm. the DNA repair mechanisms, right? In the messenger mm-hmm. RNA, there's like a repair sequencing that happens, and COVID actually affected that. There's other thoughts that say that COVID with the spike protein actually goes, and it's not the spike protein actually that is causing necessarily the damage, some people think, but it's actually what it's doing is it's, it's blocking or jamming up like the, the pathways. So, you know, there's so many different theories. And of course, like we could spend hours talking about this and I would definitely right. not be the expert in this case. But what I would say is, is it is, it's, it's kind of like the magnifying looking glass of the revealing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. Ooh, 
So you, you ha- like when people come to see me, they're like, can you fix this? And what I tell people is, is first of all, I'm a toenail clipper. I'm a hairdresser. I'm a toenail clipper. I don't do anything to fix you. What I do is I listen. I listen to you and I listen to your body. And then we work together because it's a science and an mm-hmm. art to treat. So mm. what I do is I listen, I feel, and I'm in relationship with you. I'm in relationship with you. I'm in relationship with your body. Your body tells me and you tell me, and then we work together. It's like the infinity sign, right? Like, like I mm. do something. And you respond, and then you talk to me and tell me, and then I try something else, and then you respond. And so that's like the figure eight, because what we've been taught is like, here's a pill, go away, and it'll feel better. But that is not true healing. It just isn't. That is a suppression or a Band-Aid that is taking away something on a momentary level, but is not dealing with root cause. And there is originating root cause to everything. So, I and I'm not, you know, yeah. Um, and, you know, again, this, we could go to, this has been, you know, awesome. We can go down so many paths, but two things I wanted to mention, and one is, one is a question. You and I have talked about, and, you know, I don't know all the science or anything of it. You, you know, you're a lot more versed than, than I am, but for the reasons you and I had talked about, you know, I had been exposed to setting. Obviously, I did not get the vaccine. We've all been exposed to setting, right? Because we've all been around people. We're all having dinner with people. I mean, I'm not shunning people because that's part of what the left wants us to do, right? We, we just need to be proactive. They, you know, they want a community of vaxxed people and unvaxxed people. Well, I choose not to do that. You know what I mean? So, um, but when I was in a situation to where I was exposed more frequently, you know, to somebody who had had the vaccine, and it was probably, you know, two or three years ago. Um, but when I was exposed for a while and then repeatedly and repeatedly, you and I had talked about how I was having some, some liver challenges. And, you know, I've got to say with doing some of the things you and I talked about, even like with the turmeric and some of the cleansing, like just some natural, natural things and not being around that individual for quite some time, I have not had the physical symptoms that I was having before, and I cannot tell you how long. And I did do, um, and Greg and I talked about this a little, little, little bit. And there was, uh, there's a lot of different things, but I did do a form of the frequency treatment for about two hours, and I swear that that helped significantly. Was that the only thing that helped? I don't think so because you know I do a lot of a lot of the things, right? So I probably do too many things that I don't know which thing is helping which. But um, you know, I could definitely tell a tell a, a difference, you know, for sure, without a shadow of a doubt, that a lot of challenges that I was having have significantly dissipated. Um, and with with all these alternative treatments and you know the cleaning of the blood, I guess this might be a hard question to answer, but if somebody says, you know, I'm all about the natural healing, I'm all about going the non-pharmaceutical route for whatever I got going on, however, at what point do you say, okay, enough is enough? Because you can go on for years with treatments and millions of dollars to oh, this and that. Like, so like at what point, you know, um, I'm good. You know what I mean? Because you can keep going and keep going and keep going. It's just like with anything. How far do you keep going down the rabbit holes or do you spend, you know, 
90, 80, 90 years of your life to keep chasing down rabbit holes and then not really enjoying life. So at, at well, what point do you know, say you're good? I, I, I have really been sitting with this question because, you know, what I tell people is when they come to see me, they have gone to every functional medicine, every naturopathic physician, right. they, you know, and they've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And then they come to me and they're just like at their wit's end. And so I've been sitting with that because I've actually been looking at a trend and I I have been noticing something. And what I do the most is observe. And I think that's something that we as a society have lost perspective on is the power of observation. And so I observe a lot. I observe Not on this show. (laughs) We look at at everything. I'm I'm observing. And so one of the things that I have seen is that people who are addicted to supplements have neurological disorders. Oh, is that why I'm crazy? That is a bold statement. I'm going to say that. No, CJ, you're just crazy. CJ, you're just crazy. But it's it's your natural state, so it's okay. All right, let me 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 ask you about that. No, let me ask you about that because that's uh, that's. Oh, I'm sorry, CJ. But, you know, we'll talk about. It. I think craziness is a natural state, especially again with the folks that come to this show. But I've worried about that. Yeah, that I, people are over over supplementing. They are, yeah. And not you know, only the, are they. And, go ahead. And CJ said it. It's leading to liver congestion, and your liver is one of the primary organs that yeah. detoxes out everything. So you pump people full of you know, alternative substances like vitamins, which, I mean, golly, Jesus, that is a multi-fucking-billion-dollar industry that is, like, wrecking havoc on our society, which I'm not saying that we don't need to supplement because now they've, like, depleted all the nutritional value in our soil. So, you Uh know, here's the thing. You go to Yellowstone, and and let me tell you something. Those animals, they are not nutritionally depleted because there is a rich field – of fertile soil and unadulterated land. But, however, farmed, over-manufactured, over everything. We are over, 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 fertilized. over, over. Yeah, We are yeah. over everything. So how so, do you create those natural environments again, and how do you not over-supplement your food and, how, and you know, take all these things that are the, now destroying your liver and then causing neurological disorders? But I can tell you, the people that I know that have neurological disorders like Parkinson's, ALS, Lou Gehrig's, yeah. you know, Louis Dementia Body Disorders, all of them are, I would say, and this is a very bold statement, but I'm going to go there because I love going there, is that they were addicted to supplements at the highest level. Mm-hmm. And when they have seen significant improvements, it's not because they took a better supplement. It's because they dry fasted. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, you know, uh, I know you're making a disclaimer of bold statements, but since we do that every day, that's like our stock and trade here. You know, I call this the ultimate free speech zone. So, 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 so what's bold on other shows is like a day at the office around here. <laughs> so don't be afraid to uh, make, the, make the boldest statements you can. I've worried about this because I thought, I've always thought to myself, you know, and what I do is this is why CJ knows when I say, okay, what are the foods that do this? Why am I asking that? Because I don't have the supplements. The only supplement I have is vitamin D3. And what I found interesting right. um, is that uh, I used to only – I know that sunshine you know, promotes vitamin D. Uh, and I know that vitamin D was really important in COVID. But here's an interesting thing that I found out is that I, I have to work you know, Sundays. And I, it, it's out, um, sunshine is really bright. I, don't like, I wear sunglasses. I do whatever I can. But um, 
I, I thought well, I'm getting enough sunshine. I don't need vitamin D. But the weird effect was I started taking, you know, my, my regular, what is it, 50 milligrams or whatever of vitamin D. And all of a sudden my eyes don't hurt anymore in the sunshine. That was weird. Ah. <laughs> you know, Okay, and I'm thinking, and I come home at the end of the day, and I'm still wearing my sunglasses. I'm still doing the protective stuff. I've still got UV protection and all that. But the thing is that uh, my eyes don't hurt. I don't know if there's a connection or not. All I notice is when I started taking vitamin D every day, and that's the only one I take. The only one I might add is vitamin C, but since, uh, you know, I I, I hate swallowing pills because I gag, you know, I've got the worst gag reflex in the world. Um, I usually get them, but the pills themselves, usually if if it's a pill, it's chewable, it's, it's like full of sugar. So that doesn't help either. So, and I get enough vitamin C, but can you just get you what you need from foods? And I ask CJ all the time, well, what I mean, foods do I this? was just going to say yeah. that, like, yeah. you know, if we were to, you know, look at, okay, so let's say you want to take a supplement. Okay. Mm-hmm. And let's just say that you needed something that had more potent vitamins. Why mm-hmm. wouldn't, and I, I don't have any clout in this company, but I got to tell you, it's one of my favorite companies and I, mm-hmm. I, you know, could probably eat my words on this, but Ancestral Supplements makes whole food from organ meats. So one of the like most potent and rich sources of vitamins and minerals is the liver mm-hmm. in the beef yeah, or uh, in, the, yeah. in the cow. So, yep. so, okay. Now back in the day, our ancestors mm-hmm. used to eat a lot of organ meat because they didn't waste anything. Right. So, you know, people say to me, well, what can I take? I'm, you know, really mineral depleted. And I'm going to tell you, COVID depleted minerals more than anything I've ever That's seen. That's interesting. You want to talk, talk about mm-hmm. because if it is snake venom, which I, I you know, Oh, we've had Dr. Artis on. We, we, we are well-versed in our snake venom. So that's, that's uh, so, yeah. you're among friends again. I'm going yeah. to tell you, I'm going to tell you that I, I don't think it's far from the fucking truth because here's why people's hair are falling out. Uh-huh. People are so mineral deficient after they've had yeah. COVID uh-huh. that when I tell them, here's what you do, you high dose protein, you high dose protein and high dose uh-huh. liver. Everybody who does almost immediately stops losing their hair. See, I got the yep. fullest head of hair. My hair grows twice as fast as normal people. Like I say, I'm in my 60s, right? And I've got this ridiculous head of hair. Of course, my last person cut it too short, but it's already growing back. You know, and, and <laughs> well, <laughs> it's kind of weird. But what I do, what I've tried to do is, is have foods do double duty. So I remember, we can, we can run a little bit of overtime if you guys have some overtime. But I thought, what foods, how can I get the most bang buck? And I came up with a list of superfoods. Strawberries, blueberries, um, a nut mixture, avocados, um, eggs, fish, mm-hmm. you know, some different yep. things, you know, yo- organic yogurt. And that's what I eat. Salmon. Well, <laughs> you know, add, gobs of add, it. To your, add to your regimen liver. Liver. Because I'm so is chicken liver, liver, is chicken and liver, you can do beef chicken liver? Li- chicken What's liver, that? chicken hearts, chicken liver, chicken hearts, beef liver, beef hearts, beef spleen. You could do any organ meat for thymus gland or thyroid, okay. you know, thyroid, bones and minerals. Like, I'll go you back know, to chicken like, livers. I used to like that. I mean, oh my God. Oh. on this bone broth and the MSG and why mm. we're not making our own bone broth. Like, Nourishing Traditions has amazing recipes Ooh. for just learning trivia. how to make broth. Like, why are uh, we trivia. not doing that? Trivia, 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 trivia. That's why chicken soup works, because it's got chicken bone uh, marrow in it. Yeah, but not the store-bought. Like, I'm talking about, like, how hard is it to take a Real cup and throw it in some water and boil it mm-hmm. for three days? Like, come on, people. Mm. Mm. Interesting. 
Like, so I'll just make a liver. Save all your vegetable scraps, freeze all your vegetable yeah. scraps, and make your own vegetable broth. Like, why are we not right. doing this? Like, right. this is like basic, basic living that our ancestors used to do when they lived on farms. And I love the push to get back to farm living. But, like, unfortunately, they're selling all of our farmland to China. I mean, wake up, people. Not in Florida. Like, Apparently, Florida, the, the Chinese Communist Party can't buy land in Florida, which I think is interesting. That's where I am. Well, that's great. But, like, does anybody know that Smithfield, the biggest pork industry in America, is actually mm-hmm. owned by China? Uh, yeah, that's guys why know I stopped buying Smithfield. Yeah, I, we, I know that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We haven't really talked about it on the show much. But, yeah. Well, I mean, so like, you need to find a list of people foods. buy local meat. Yeah, like, you got to buy local, local meat. Mm-hmm. Like, buy yeah. local meat. Make your own broth. Stay mm-hmm. away from the center aisles of the grocery store. You know, right? <laughs> that's so funny. I shop the right produce and I shop the left dairy, and that's pretty much it. You know, except for the the, the raw honey in the in the whatever aisle that is in. But for the most part, I'm I'm with you. <laughs> I'm like, you know, get to know your farmer. Like, you know, the farmer that we use, they're getting sued by the FDA. <laughs> wow, Miller's. Miller's Organic Farm. So I'll tell you a story about knowing my own food is that we used to buy your family cow. Your family cow is an Amish farm um, in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. They were harassed Mm -hmm. by the FDA over and over and over and over and over until finally they had to succumb and become FDA certified. So we had a choice in our food. We wanted to have food that was not chemically washed, you know, not anything, okay? Mm-hmm. So when, right. when all that went down, they they could not sell their meat, could not sell their milk. I watched their sons and daughters get married, you know, love that family, love their food, the whole mm-hmm. nine yards. They went mm-hmm. through this over and over and over, thousands and multiple millions of dollars worth of fines. I find another farm. My farm is, you know, uh, the farm that I was with is called... Um, Oh, Miller's Organic Farm, and now they're uh-huh. under scrutiny and attack and, um, you know, have been shut down. It's been now almost two years since I've been able to buy any meat or um, produce from them, you know, uh-huh. because they don't use citric acid on their food. They, you know, they right. basically, you know, kill on-site and distribute. Um, so anyway... The, the the long of the short is that they've been in litigation now with the FDA for, you know, however long, and they have not been able to sell any chicken, any beef, any anything. The wow. only thing I can purchase Well, that's is the idea. So, they right, want everybody under down. big agribusiness yep. Yep. factory food, yeah. So yep. we should wind up here in a little bit. But you're always welcome to come back, and uh, uh, this is fascinating. But what we I should tell you a bit about what we do. Now, I had our, our website was, um, was uh, hacked. And shut down for for a day or so, which is fascinating because all, most of my action radio people had something wrong. Someone had texts that were uh, sabotaged. Someone had uh, uh, MP3s that wouldn't go through. Uh, on my website, Write Your Laws, got taken down. Uh, someone else had their Facebook password changed all in the same day. So you want to talk about uh, coincidence? Yeah, right. So weird stuff's happening around here. Um, but my, but what I want to tell you is that what we do that nobody else does is we actually write legislation and submit it directly to government, directly to media. And so there's a couple of things we need. One, if you're interested in, in uh, a bill either at the state level or even the congressional level of requiring titers before uh, vaccines so that if, you do, if, you've, if you've shown immunity, there's no reason to get it. 
or at least offer that as an option or some kind of, uh, I don't know how you want to do it, but uh, that would be something to do. Because the biggest problem I had with the COVID shot was they weren't testing for immunity. So why would you give a COVID shot? I asked Judy Mikovits about this. I said, why would you give a COVID shot? First of all, why would you give a COVID shot anyway? But she said, but, the, but at least why wouldn't you test for immunity to see if a person even needs it? And they weren't doing that because they didn't care because it doesn't matter. That's right. That's right. Hmm. Well, it didn't matter because the war was for the blood. The war was for changing DNA into transhumanism and the war right. is for the blood. So when people talk to me about blood, I say, not my body. It's my body, my choice. And yep. no one's touching my blood. Like, it is so bad that, you know, I have doctors who say, Inga, let's just run a panel on you. Like, let's do a CBC. And I'm like, no, thank you. Why would, <laughs> so why would DNA, you object to that? That DNA in me, like, why would you send your, like, my girlfriend got a letter in the mail. Her insurance company is wanting to do DNA testing to see if medication actually works better on her. And she's like, isn't that scary? I'm like, because the war is for the blood. Don't give your DNA to anybody anybody. So when people say to me, Inga, do you want to run panels on us? Like to see what our levels are. I'm like, no, how are you feeling? Like, does it really matter? Does it really matter what your blood says? Or do you really want to just know how you feel in your body? Because the reality of it is, I don't give, I had someone who came to me who was vaccine injured, who like couldn't walk, had a Foley catheter, was shitting himself, falling down, and didn't even know his name because he had grand mal seizures and was in bed for a year. And And the family came to me with a dictionary of hospitals. And I won't mention the <laughs> clinics for the hospitals because I, I, I don't well, they're want all to the create same. fight. No, that's wow. fine. But here's yeah. what I would say. So how did, how did you treat say. him? How'd you treat him? Well, she showed up to me with this book, and she was like, do you want to look at his labs and da 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 And I said, I don't mean to be rude, but I don't give a <laughs> shit about the book. Yeah. I don't care about your book. I don't care about the labs. What I care about is what I'm seeing mm-hmm. and what you're telling me. And I want to hear your story only because I want to honor you as a human being right now mm-hmm. and what you've been through. But I don't care about your story because I don't need to attach to your story if I want to create something different. And so what I want to create is health. And so let's start with, I don't know what I'm going to do or how it's going to affect you, period, end of Mm -hmm. discussion, because I don't have a crystal ball. But what I do know is that the life is in the blood. So I'm going to treat you. I'm going to work with your body. And we're going to get to a point where I may reach a limit. And I don't know. So we treated him. We did about eight to ten treatments. After the first three treatments, he actually knew his name again and started walking without falling. After, you know, probably ten treatments, he um, was completely walking without a a walker. He had his Foley out. So what kind of treatments? If you can we, share it, is it these frequency. like light frequency? What, what are you doing with the blood? Yeah. Or, or it was the nutrition light frequency what? treatment. No, okay. we just did light frequency treatments, cleaning his blood out. And, you know, I think what happened was he had a stealth infection. He had an infection that nobody could identify, no chemical could heal. And when Correct. we exposed it to different forms of light, which, mm-hmm. you know, was used back in the 30s for birthing fever. Like, just do some research on birthing fever. And, yeah. you know, 
doing photodynamic light treatments and, and using alternative therapies, which they banned in America, right? Like Fauci yep. apparently shut this company down. They were doing phase two clinical trials on HIV in Africa, and they were having success, which was wildly successful, but then they got shut down. Why? Because they're wildly successful. Wildly... I mean, you, right. you know, you've already answered that. Why? And I asked the same question um, during COVID when I had the DDRL study from Marseille, France. I said, we've got a cure for COVID. I said, why would you push a vaccine when you've got a cure? That's just stupid. You know, I said, we've already, right. besides, the, the disease is already here. I said, you don't, try, you don't create something that's going to build immunity 15 years from now for something that's already here. You kill it now. So I, I did a three-word three search on, on uh, the Internet. I said, what kills viruses? And all this stuff came up. And within a couple hours, I was a virologist, basically, in terms of what I knew that could kill viruses. And not one of them said vaccines. It was, it was different drugs. Right. It was different other viruses. It was building your immune system. It was nutrition, rest, all, exercise, all the things we know to be true, plus, uh, in, in this case, chloroquine. And I had Dr. Zelenko, Zelenko on the show. He's a friend of mine until he passed away. Um, but uh, his basic thing was real simple, vitamin D3, vitamin C, zinc, hydroxychloroquine, and azithromycin for uh, pneumonia, which turned out to be killing people with the ventilators. But it's very simple. A couple of vitamins and, and zinc, yeah. which destroys the, uh, the genetic material of the virus, and hydroxychloroquine, which is, destroys the protein wall. So this makes sense to me. And people say, well, you're not a doctor. How do you understand? Well, I understand destroying the wall around the virus. I understand destroying the genetic material of the virus. And I understand a couple of vitamins. What's your problem? <laughs> you know, what's not to know? This works. Yeah. And what's the evidence? The evidence is all the people that were still alive. And so when people say, well, uh, those things are we're killing people, I said, really name someone. Name someone who died of, a, of an early treatment, hydroxychloroquine, um, vitamin C, zinc treatment. Name, just name one person. Have you ever seen well, an article? I can tell you. Of someone that you died know, from tell- early treatment, you know, to, from that. Yeah. I've never seen one. Well, Go ahead. Well, we treated over 7,000 patients, over 7,000 mm-hmm. patients. And mm-hmm. out of all the patients that we treated, we had four die. And the reason why they died was one was 92. Okay. And he was already very, you know, weak and mm-hmm. old. And, you know, hindsight, maybe we could have done something different if we had been able to get to him with our blood cleaning machines, but you know, they were hundreds of miles away. So we couldn't, um, the other one had gastric bypass was completely mineral deficient. And so didn't get to us till 10 days later. Yeah. I never liked that surgery either. That's, that's a whole other show. Right. The other one we got through COVID after coming to us two weeks into it, where they were falling and collapsing in the bathrooms, and we got them through COVID, but then, you know, it had weakened the heart so much that she went into rapid AFib. We ended up transferring her to a hospital to get treated for rapid AFib, but then she just had a massive heart attack and died. And then um, the last one, um, against our advice, they wanted to get ozone therapy. And I said, do not do it. You are just turning the corner. I don't recommend it. Somebody recommended ozone therapy to them. They got ozone therapy, and two days later, he died. So, yeah. And there's a whole medical reason behind that, which I can't get into. But, but the reality of it is, is that this is a war for the blood. And if mm-hmm. you don't believe it, look at it closer. Ask yourself, why is this so important? And then ask yourself, it's so important in the blood that they want And then I'm going to ask you to ask yourself another question, which is, if you haven't looked at BSEL cells, 
look at that. And then if you haven't thought about adrenochrome, look at that. Because there is so much power in the blood, and there is power in healing in the blood, and there is also corruption in the blood and why they are going for the blood. And so we need to start waking up. We are not just chemical beings. We are incredibly whole, light, vibrational, magnetized, you know, incredibly dynamic human beings. And we have the possibility to change the course of humanity by, by just simply starting to observe and ask questions instead of just going along with the norm. And I, I just won't do it. I, I will not. I will not bow my knee to any golden calf. I'm always going to ask why. I'm always going to ask why and show me. And even then, you could show me, and I might say, eh, "I'll think about it. I'm going to observe <laughs> yeah. for a little bit." <laughs> Never surrender your own judgment, um, because you know. And the, there's the cult of the expert. People think, "Well, you're not an expert. How do you how do you know? You know, it's like I had a liberal caller all the time saying, you're, you're not a medical doctor. How can you question uh, Dr. Fascist? That's what we call him, Dr. Fascist.'" I said, "It's easy." I can read studies. I got a brain. You know, I said, if, if your criteria is that you have to have a degree in the same thing as the person you're asking a question of, I said, we'd never have any journalists because they all have to have a degree in, in science and law and, uh, you know, and everything else that uh, is going on. And so they simply don't do that. But the ability to ask a question is not related to your degree. It's related to, to whether you have the guts to ask the question, to use the expression right, that we right. should know on this show. That was intentional. You know, um, but that's what it comes down to, is that you have your own judgment. I had nothing to do with uh, the vaccine because I remember Gulf War syndrome. And I remember squalene and the stuff that's in the flu shot. And I learned about adjuvants. And then I, you know, like I say, when I had a tetanus shot when I was 20, I said, I'm not going to do this again. This hurts. It's ridiculous. This can't be good for me. I said, I don't even know what tetanus is, and I'm taking a shot for it. <clears throat> so I was already questioning before. <laughs> this, is back 19, this is back in 1980. So this is how my brain works. I said, why am I doing this? Well, I was told to, you know, my parents told me this is, and you, this is what the schedule is. And then I started questioning everything. Once I started taking care of myself, I went to a chiropractor at 17, you know, because only as soon as I could drive, because my folks would never take me. I said, well, my back is sore. Well, no, no, you need to do this because my father had a bad, bad back his whole life, right? So I'm thinking, well, what? you people don't know anything. I'm going to go, go to myself. Here I'm 17, showing up at the chiropractor. Yeah, okay, let's take a look. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think I can fix this. <laughs> You know, and all of a sudden, like, uh, I laughed hysterically for about 45 minutes. First time my nerves had been released from uh, the pressure that were under from my back that was out of alignment. Well, that was it. Wow. You know, as a, so 17, it's like alternative treatments. Yeah, here we come. <laughs> this stuff works, you know. And But if it hadn't, I would have, you know, equally done that. But I, one, one more question. Oh, I have so many questions I want to ask you. I asked Judy Mikovits. <laughs> you, know, you know Judy Mikovits, micro, uh, molecular yeah. biologist? You guys aren't? Okay. So yeah, she's, she's pretty much a regular. She's brilliant. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah she is brilliant. brilliant. So I like having her on, but it's like a biochemistry lesson every time she comes on. And it's like, Judy, you, you got to talk to the rest of us here. <laughs> we, we have no right. idea what you're saying. Right. You know, it's, it's really funny. But I asked her um, the same question you know, that I was talking a little bit about earlier. I said, the DBT MMR. I said, how many cases of diphtheria have we had in the last little while? She says, none. Well, when the last time we had one? I don't know, 100 years ago. So why are we giving a vaccine for it? She says, good question. <laughs> you know? I said, okay. So even if somebody gets diphtheria, is it treatable? She's sure it is. So I said, why yeah. are we vaccinating? Why are we giving uh, a drug to everybody for a disease that doesn't exist that's e easily treatable unless you're just doing it for the money? That's the only thing I can think of. Well, well that, that's the thing. And, and here's the other thing about it. 
it, which is so fascinating to me, mm-hmm. is that where did it come from? Come okay, from? go ahead and answer. Yeah, I'm waiting for the punchline. <laughs> I mean, I mean, there is some there is some really interesting theories about where some of these things came from. Were they also bioweapons like COVID? Were they were they gain of function? That's that I don't know. I don't. I don't know if they had the technology to do the bio stuff. But I'll tell you something interesting too that we were talking about these ancient uh, cures and treatments with light and sound and everything else. The only difference between then and now is that people had to have faith because they didn't have the instruments to measure it. See, now we do have the instruments to measure it, but unless they're looking to measure it, they don't know. They, they don't think it exists unless they have the instruments to prove it. So in other words, everything has to be able to be documented scientifically. So the reason we don't have the scientific knowledge before because a lot of it was based on faith and observing the results. So they knew it worked because it worked. Today, they won't even try it well, because well, we can't measure well, it, then so how, therefore it doesn't exist. Do you, yeah. Well, and then, like, how do you quantify? So, you know, I'm an alchemist at the highest level, I would like to say. Mm-hmm. That I like to practice okay. alchemy at a very high level mm-hmm. in the sense that how do you quantify working with the energy of the sun and a plant at the right time, you know, you know, people look at, like, the farmer's al- almanac, and they're like, eh, that's just, like, an outdated thing. Really? Tell it to no. your grandparents who planted <laughs> yeah, exactly. a garden at the exact mm-hmm. right time and had an abundant yield. And then a mm-hmm. grandparent who didn't follow the farmer's almanac, didn't plant at the right time of the sun or the moon or Saturn or Jupiter or Mars or Mercury mm-hmm. or whatever, and mm-hmm. decided just to haphazardly plant their garden and look at the crop that they yielded worth shit. And mm-hmm. then tell yeah. me, oh, can you measure that? Well, of course you could. But the thing is, we were so in tune with the mm-hmm. universe and how we worked with things in the past that we've gotten away from. And people call it woo-woo medicine. I don't care what you call it. I'm not interested. I like in, that term. If I'm, not for, if I'm not for you, don't come see me. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. care. Like, what do I have to lose? The thing is, I work with people who are really grateful and can feel the difference in their physical mm-hmm. body after we treat them yeah. because I'm listening, I'm observing, I'm in relationship. And, what, and people say to me, okay, well, can you do this and blah, 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 blah. And I said, look, if you want a pill, I'm not your person. Don't come to me if you just want a pill. <laughs> I'm not that. Right? But, but that's an attitude. Right? See, that's, that's, not, like, that's an exterior attitude. That's like saying they can't cure themselves. They need an exterior force to cure them. And only an exterior force will work. And I'm like, no. Wait, I'm, I mean, I, I get cured. Sit your, yeah. Sit with your intention. I cure myself. Maybe. Yeah. Wait till a new moon. People are like, what? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Set an intention on a new moon. And then if it's mm. right, you can come to me during the full moon and we'll treat you. And they get so freaked out that they don't come back. And I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm not for you. But the thing is, if you're going to come see me, Hello. I'm back. I'm yeah. all oh, yeah. back. And I'm back. Well, it's almost oh. like speaking a different language. You know, when I tell people, go play some rock and roll, you'll feel better. They're like, huh? No, really. <laughs> seriously, try it. You know, I mean, I it's just so tell you. Uh, it is true. And, and, you know, everybody feels better at the beach, but they don't know why. Well, I can explain it. You've got negative ions being released by the action of the waves, which go into your body and offset the positive ions generated by all the electronic machinery you surround yourself with. I said, that's why you feel better. And they're like, huh? How do you know that? Well, because I looked it up. <laughs> you know, I'm not a genius. I got a computer. I can look <laughs> things up. How do you think I knew how to, how to kill viruses in, in two hours on the Internet? I know more about viruses than Dr. Fascist does because he doesn't even have a virology degree. He's had a basic med degree. He's never treated a patient as far as I can tell. 
You know, he's a bureaucrat who pushes papers. And this is your expert? I told that to my liberal colleague. I said, this is your expert? He's a grant writer. <laughs> That's what he does. And he, buy, <laughs> and he buys licenses to uh, patented drugs. Uh, the only reason he's against hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin because it doesn't make him money. He doesn't care how many people die. He's right up there with exactly. all the great Nazi murderers in history. You know, he's, he's, so I call him Dr. Fascist. There's a reason. By the way, his well, full am name. I, am I to be, Go ahead. Am I to be uh-huh. believe in biology? I don't even understand that theory and thought process. And, mm. you know, that's a whole nother, like, worms and suck ass. I, I'm not even, like, willing to go down right. that rabbit hole as of this moment. I think you need your own but, report on my show. That's what I think. We've got to talk about that. I've got to get you on every week. This is fun. <laughs> right before CJ. Right? Right before CJ, maybe. Yeah, this is kind of fascinating. Yeah, yeah. We'll I talk. Mean, I just, you know, I just, you know, the thing is, is I, mm-hmm. I really want people to live their happiest and healthiest lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, that looks different for everyone. And so what I would say is, is, the power really is in your blood, and there is a connection between. We're going to call it the blood report. The blood report. Oh, I love blood, it. Your, your you know what we should really call it? We should call it the savage blood report. Let's have some real fun here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, girl. And now Inga Savage with the savage blood report on Action Radio. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do my radio voice. I was just talking to my friend about about how powerfully magnificent the blood is and i had this Mm -hmm. image and i was i was sitting with this um thought process the other day of how like literally the blood is like a universal component of how you know when we breathe in air we think we're actually breathing in like air which is actually prana or life force energy which is actually in our blood right so it's Mm -hmm. all connected and one and if we think about the heart as being a vortex and it literally going out into the extremities and pulling it back in, then what we're looking at is a universal component of breath also. So there's, there's no difference in blood or breath or expansion or contraction. And this is what they're trying to hide from us, that they want right. exclusively to themselves, blood, which is the understanding the of any of it. Blood's the only thing that moves in your body, right? Every organ holds its position. Every bone holds its position. Your skin holds its position. The only thing that moves in your body is your blood. I mean, even the heart, the heart pumps, or it's a vortex. Well, you have to talk more about that. But everything else stays stationary. Blood's the only thing in your body that moves everywhere. Exactly. And how do we know okay. that it's not connected to our, to our etheric, electromagnetic, pulsating, vibratory being? How do we know that it is not all connected in a vortex mm-hmm. kind of theory, like well, the universe expansion and contraction. I'm just saying, how do we know? Like, why well, we have a tide, you know, stuff? if the ocean has a tide, we have a tide when the full moon, that's what, that's what makes people behave differently in the full moon, right? Exactly. And why are we not paying attention to it? We are. And why? You don't have to ask that question anymore because we are. So that's, that's kind of the funny thing. All right. So, so, Blood is uh, basically a, a saline, salt water kind of thing. That's how, that's how all those COVID people, the politicians, took a saline shot, and they weren't affected because they didn't actually take the jab. But our, our blood is saline, right? It's salt water? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't that one of the – isn't it, wait a minute, hang on. There, I mean, it's, there, there's more to the question. Isn't that one of the best conduct? There's always, there's always a part two. You know, I, I never ask anything without a purpose. Uh, anyway, um, but isn't saline, salt water, isn't that one of the best conductors of electricity? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. He said with a You know what? Mm-hmm. I think we should have um, offer Inga another spot back. I know 
she's been doing a fantastic job. I know she's on vacation, but um, yeah, she's waiting for a kid in summer camp. She's going to do the. Yeah. I want to hear. I want to hear about the uh, the 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 boombox, you know, car crash treatment. Oh, dude, I'm I'm going I'm going to do that today because I <laughs> I um I can see the remnants of cockroaches all around me. <laughs> no, no, really. Well, the other thing you get is, is geckos or chameleons. I, I was in Washington D.C. and I had a rather bizarre roommate during my congressional. I was I was mostly with Congress, but I was with a consumer group, and he he bought a couple of chameleons because he thought they were cool. We just opened the cabinets, let them crunch away all night. It was great. That's how we get rid of cockroaches. So yeah, well, natural cures. It's kind of funny actually. Well, I, I really enjoyed this um, time with you today and talking a little bit just about the blood and opening up the conversation about how powerful our blood really is. Uh-huh. And well, you, you can know, come back. For anybody come back specially, to... come back once in a while, come back every week, maybe half an hour, something like that. I don't know. We'll talk. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll, we'll, I, I just, just the idea of uh, introducing you for the, the Savage Blood Report really intrigues me. So, you know. Uh, I love that idea. I'm, I'm definitely open to creating. So. Mm-hmm. I look well, forward about to it. it as I we'll be here as I grow yeah. too, and in, in my you know my understanding and my heartfelt knowledge of this subject because I definitely still am a novice at it, but I can feel the importance of it growing in you know in a time in our lives where it's really needed that we have some sacredness around our blood and not giving it up. So don't give up your blood is why I want to tell you. Don't give your blood away. Don't, yeah, no, it makes sense. No, this is what we need. We need regular don't features. Yeah, yeah. Got to get you on Facebook. Got to get you in our Action Radio Life and Health Coaching thing with all kinds of articles and stuff like that. People can talk to you. So there's a lot to do. Um, just give your contact information, please, and uh, CJ also. And then let's uh, let's do it again soon. This has been fun. Yeah, so people can, uh, right. people can find time. me at virtualmedclinic.com. Med dot com and it is a completely bogus site it's, it, there's no information about me on there <laughs> and there's a good reason uh for that but you can absolutely uh send me an email at virtualmedclinic at gmail.com and you know i'd be happy to talk to you you know for for all good intense purposes just let me know what's going on and I'll, i can get back to you i usually respond within 24 hours to people and any inquiries that people might have. Okay. Well, worldwide, so you never know what's going to happen. You might get Iceland. <laughs> you, know, you might get Argentina. Oh, that's fine. You know, I'm happy to talk Vietnam. to you about Iceland. <laughs> you know, oh, Cuba. I love it. I yeah, we, 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 we reach some pretty it. interesting places. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. That's wonderful. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's just incredible. I'm, I feel really thankful to have been able to have this conversation with you today and to be with people who are like-minded and you know, cutting edge. Isn't it fun? And it's so fun. You don't have to it's fight. Actually, you don't have to battle with us. We just, we're just, you know, one big happy activist family. Yeah, yeah. But uh, take, a at, take a look at writeyourlaws.com. <laughs> now that's, exactly. Now that my site's back up, writeyourlaws.com, kind of go over that. And if you want to start working on legislation to actually make some of this stuff, you know, get into the political world, uh, let me know because that's what we do here. That's, that's what separates us from literally every other show on the planet is that we actually write legislation yeah. and, act, and advocate it. That's awesome. I love. I loved listening to um, the guy before. I mean, oh, Jerome. What a gem. I mean, oh, he's a character. Oh, yeah. Jerome's one of my favorites. Yeah. So, 27-year Navy chief, right? Uh, ran for Congress on our citizen legislation. Got completely uh, kicked out by his own Republican Party, you know, because he was too much of an American, too much of a patriot. Didn't follow the establishment, wow. the deep state. The greatest enemy of real Republicans is the Republican Party. Look at Trump. 
That's yeah. so right. true. Look at, uh, look at RFK and the Democrats. So I'm hoping that Trump and uh, uh, Robert Kennedy get together. Can't wait for oh, that. Man, That's going to be fascinating. I was, having, I was having that thought process. I was like, oh, that would oh. be lovely. Well, they're both non-deep state. They're the only two non-deep state candidates out there. They kind of have to get together at some point. It's just a question of how. Keep watching. We've been talking about that for a couple of months now. So it's just, just a matter That's of time. Just, you know, stand by. Yeah. Besides, uh, I know Judy, <laughs> Judy knows, uh, knows Bobby. So we're trying to get connections to Bobby through Judy. You know, so uh, we're hoping that he'll uh, pick up our vaccine product liability bill, our big tech bill, and uh, you know, help put us on the map so we can do some real work. Really good work. All right. Get out of here, Judy. It's time. It's yeah. time, right? It's time for yeah. all of this to start shifting into the new hey. age. It's- right time, right place. You know, we That's are the right. future. So right. just, yep. CJ, what's your contact information? Anybody can reach me at uh, H2O Wellness Network. That's H2O Wellness Network at gmail.com. Sounds good. Inga, nice to meet you. This has been really, uh, really a pleasure. And uh, we're about half an hour over time. Oh, good. We're about half an hour over time. So we're going to have to end it now and pick it up uh, like a Friday show. Yeah. Thank you both. Thank you. Have a a great rest of your week. Bye. Oh, I intend to. Yeah, I got to crank up the guitar and get rid of the cockroaches. So, you know, I got, I got plans. <laughs> that actually does work, by the way. You people, you people think I'm kidding. You try it. You turn an amp, you know, get, get some decent amp, you know, volume. Not, not bone crushing or ear hurting, but just, just enough that, you know, you can feel the vibration. You'd be surprised how many bugs disappear. It's great. I could start my own business. You know, rock and roll bug I'm going to crank it up. We're going to crank it up and go for a swim. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Sounds like fun. All right. We're done. Craig Fingles here for Action Radio. All right, uh, this have has a been... great week, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye, CJ. Uh, this has been a blast today. So go back over the whole show. Listen to the podcast. There's so much that, that we covered, you know, with uh, Obama Swami and some of the other things that we covered. It was just really a wild day. So I enjoyed it. And I've got a couple things to play for you. And then we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Central Time with, uh, with the rest of what we do here. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. 
Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.